KFI AM 640. Bill Handel. And good morning on a Saturday. Coming up at 11 o'clock, it is uh, the Tech Guy, the Tech Show with Leo the Tech Guy, the Tech Master, the Tech Meister. I have to ask Leo because I can get tired of the Tech Guy. That's from 11 till 2. And then Neil with Fork Report. Why not the Knife Report? Uh, why not? And why not the Fish Knife Report? Anyway, that's Neil from 2 to 5. That's enough. I'm too tired to try to make up anybody else's name here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, this is out of Russia. And uh, this uh, is... Uh, the reason I'm bringing this up because Russia is crazy. And it's not good to be a woman in Russia. And it's not as bad as being a woman in Saudi Arabia or any Muslim country. But this is not very good. Here's this gal I want to share a story with. Yana Shavchuk. Uh, she's a hairdresser. Call the police saying that her partner was going to kill her. So the officers arrive. The officers arrive and uh, simply ignore her cries for help. They say, this is ridiculous. We're just not going to deal with this. And says to this gal, if you get killed, we'll definitely come to examine the body. Don't worry about it. Obviously, very sarcastically. Well, 40 minutes later, she's dead. Beaten by the guy that the police refused to arrest when she asked them to. And here is the problem. Uh, that official Russian statistics point to 4 million reported cases of domestic abuse uh, last year. And that doesn't include the very high number of unreported cases because the cops do nothing. And this is even worse now because Russian president, just a few months ago, Russian President Vladimir Putin signed a law that decriminalized domestic abuse for the first-time offenders who don't inflict, inflict bodily harm requiring hospital treatment. If you don't put the wife or the girlfriend in the hospital, you're okay first time out. Prior to that, abusers faced up to two years in prison. Now, if they're found guilty in court, you're looking at a fine between $85 and $500. Uh, and... That is, if you do cause bodily harm, you're looking at that and 15 days in jail. And there is no jail time. I mean, that's just crazy. Uh, The mayor of Yekaterinburg, Russia's fourth largest city, said the impact of the bill was felt absolutely immediately. And here's the scary part. Members of the Russian parliament voted almost unanimously in favor of the bill. A key advisor to Putin saying the bill was necessary to do everything in order to preserve the family. And, of course, you know why this is such a problem, why there's so much domestic abuse. Alcoholism. That's it. Alcoholism is uh, an enormous problem in Russia. For the most part, it's a crap place to live. And vodka's cheap. And they drink like crazy. And uh, you know what? I should look at that. The um, mortality rate is ridiculous. I think the, the lifespan for males is in the, fi- in the 50s. I mean, it's that crazy. 20 20 years younger for males. Women, not so much. Women, I think it's uh, basically the average around the world. But for the men, it's crazy. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Hello, Robert. Hello. Yes. Go ahead, Robert. Um, uh, Domestic violence. Yes. Uh, How does one handle that? What do you mean, how does one handle that? 
And, uh, tell uh, me, tell me what happened, and then ask me a question. Okay, what happened is apparently um, me and my girlfriend or significant other were arguing. Um, I decided to leave because I didn't want the argument to escalate. Um, the police show up at my parents' house where I eventually went and arrested me for domestic violence. Um, told my parents that she she did not call and she wasn't pressing charges. Uh, that a third party called, and now um, I have a now I have to go to court for it. Okay, and she's willing to say that nothing happened, correct? She did. Okay, and uh, why do you still have to go to court? Because uh, was the third party a witness? No, um, DA picked it up. No, I understand, but based on what? What are they using for evidence? I have no clue. Yeah, you're going to, uh, you're, you're, I, I can't imagine they won't drop this. Cause if the D, if someone calls up and says, uh, there's domestic violence here, uh, did you see it? No. And the wife or your girlfriend says it never happened. How does the DA continue on? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, Robert. So you, you have to, I guess, do you have a date? I'm sorry. Do you have a she wanted to go to court with me and, okay. and testify that she she told them that uh, nothing happened and there, okay. she wasn't. So Robert charges. and the DA is still moving ahead. Do you have a court date? Yes, I do. Okay. Wow. I don't understand how there there's something else going on here, Robert. And I don't know what it is. I have no idea uh, how it is uh, because if there were okay. no witnesses and your girlfriend said nope, never happened. Whoa. Correct. Okay, so uh, you're going to go to court and plead not guilty. You haven't been there at all yet. You haven't been indicted yet, have you? No. Uh, what, what or you haven't, or the pre- there hasn't been, has, so there hasn't been a, uh, a preliminary hearing yet, I'm assuming. Nothing, because okay. the first court date, they didn't even file. You don't even have a court date? No, the first court date, they did not file. This, this is uh, six months later. And so it's just, and they haven't dropped the case? It's just sitting there? Yeah, it was just sitting there, correct. All right. Well, then there's nothing really for you to do. <laughs> that's, the, that's the scary part. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And, and now, if it's a wrong arrest, uh, you may want to contact a lawyer uh, about suing the police. Awesome. Yeah, because simply <laughs> because someone says, I want, to, I want to report domestic violence for the police not to say, did you see it? On what basis are you calling? And so I think they're, uh, they're, they're I mean, they're entitled to a good faith. Uh, they're, they're entitled to good faith mistakes. But I think this one is, mm, I don't know. You know, that's, uh, I think they have a duty to go forward. And based on what you said, they didn't do much. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera, what's the latest? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I am your go-to guy. If you've got questions about computers or the internet, about your smartphone or your smart watch, if you're interested in self-driving cars, home theater, photography, virtual reality, I talk about it all this weekend and every weekend right here. Leo Laporte, this morning at 11. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is... KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Sam, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, 11 months ago, I had a little bit of a traffic accident, 
I was getting ready to turn left. I was watching the oncoming traffic. I looked at the crosswalk. Everything was clear. I made my court and my turn halfway through the intersection. A kid in a skateboard came shooting against traffic through the crosswalk, ended up hitting the left front corner of my truck. It was more like he ran into me than I hit him. Okay. So I gave his mother the insurance information. The paramedics came, checked the kid out. They took the kid. They, they released him to his mother. I asked the mother later how he was. Is it just some bruises? He's fine. And now I get served the other day from the kid's father. Of course. Now, they never filed an insurance claim. doesn't matter. They don't have to file an insurance claim. I mean, what I'm saying is they never tried to get anything from my insurance company. No, they don't. It doesn't work that way. You, they can just go right after you. And the attorney wrote you a letter and said, uh, and then what you get to do is tur- you turn it over to your insurance company. That's all. I turned it over to my insurance company. That's all. Then you're done. Then they well, have, have a, it. I have a summons that says uh, I have to answer within 10 days. You, you, 10, no, it doesn't work within 10 days. Within I mean, 30 days. 30 days. I'm right. Sorry, and so you hand it over to your insurance company. They they will go ahead and defend you. That's part of insurance. Okay. Just give it to your insurance company. Go, here you go. That's that's okay. part that's why you buy insurance. And they had a court date set for sometime in February. That's up to that's the insurance company handles that. They'll put a lawyer on it. It's one of the insurance company lawyers that will represent you that the insurance company pays for. See what a lot of people don't understand, Sam, it's not a question of just your insurance company writing checks. For something that you do, let's say you hit a car, a fender bender, or whatever, uh, or you really hurt someone, that they simply write a check. Oh, no, no. They have to defend you if there is a lawsuit filed. Okay. So that's All it. Right. Just call, move it over to your insurance company and say, get on this real quick, because we only have 30 days to uh, file. I already did it. Okay, well, then you. you're done. Thank you for your... Yep, you got it. I should have stayed there and uh, let him finish. Thank you. Thank you. I like that sycophantic thank yous. I don't know why I hang up. Uh, Brittany. Hi, Rip Brittany. Hi. Yes, ma'am. My call. I respect you, and I need your help. Of course you do, and yes, so, you do. Okay, go ahead. I need, I need more help than I'm going to get in five minutes. Yes. Okay, so I went to a trampoline park in October 2015 for a birthday party. Went to go grab my kid off of the trampoline. Took a step off of the bouncy part onto the side, which is sort of like a square around it that is not movable, and broke my ankle. Uh-huh. Uh, I went to Kaiser, got obviously treated for it. My ankle has not been the same since I continue to fracture my ankle. Every single time, it gets, it, it, it's not, it's just, yeah. Okay. So I, I then received... A call from Kaiser asking me about the incident. Uh, they have this new thing where they're checking up on the reasons that people come in, and they sent me a letter saying that they put a lien on a future lawsuit or yes, any money. Yes, they do, yes, they do that all the time. Okay, so do I have a claim? Should I even? Well, you may I go to, yeah, you, I mean, you may want to go to an attorney, but uh, Brittany, what did they do wrong? I mean, what, what did, did they, they do wrong? Yeah, what I did think they, it's dangerous. You think uh, it's dangerous. dangerous. Now, when you yeah. went in there, uh, did you sign a uh, any kind of a release or you just I went in? So, so you went inside and there's no signs there that say, don't walk in, don't pick up your kid. And they just let you right in. Are you there, Brittany? Yes. I'm here. Okay. No. Are, were there any yes, signs no. that said, don't no walk sign. in there, don't pick up your kid, you can't walk into the park, just walking in? No. Into the trampoline area? No. Okay. Well, 
Okay, then it's worth talking to a personal injury attorney. If they if they don't say this is a dangerous place or don't walk in here uh, where anybody can just walk through it, anybody walks in the door, can walk onto the trampoline area, and right. uh, they fall down, if that's the case, well, first of all, I wouldn't pay to start jumping around if I could just walk in. That's kind of neat to <laughs> get free trampolines. Uh, but yeah. uh, you know what? Uh, you may have something there. You may have something there uh, in terms of... Um, I don't know. Yeah, picking up your kid, that's reasonable uh, to anticipate that will happen. And uh, they should have known or reasonably known that what you did is what normal parents do and not warn you. Because you bet your kid, the form you had to sign on your kid uh, dancing around the trampoline was extensive. Mm, I mean, that. Covered that. Yeah, they really go out of their way to do that. So, sure, to contact a, a personal injury attorney. And as far as the lien is. Uh, almost every single medical provider fi- uh, goes ahead and uh, files a lien on the property on the case because you're going to get money for medical, and oh. they are entitled to their money back. Are they going to completely blow the number up? No, 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 because, Kaiser, no, Kaiser, okay. no, no, yeah. no. Kaiser, as a matter of fact, Kaiser does uh, charges the least amount of any of any provider I know. Okay. Yeah. And even if they do blow it up, uh, that's uh, what the attorney negotiates anyway. Your attorney uh, just negotiates with Kaiser anyway. Your what could you see this type of a uh, It depends. Fractured ankle, uh, you know, in the tens of thousands of dollars maybe. You know, especially if you keep on fracturing. I mean, it's not a million-dollar case. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a six-figure case. But, you know, it's also not a $5,000 case. It's so, not a class action either. No, well, class action, what? Uh, what are you going to do? Why do you want to um, file a class action? I, I maybe I don't I don't quite understand. Class you don't want a class. No, you don't want you don't. You don't want a class act. Why? Why do you care if other people collect or don't collect? Well, I would hope that my real concern is that people. Okay, away. then it's just not safe. Got it. So here is that. So. What you're going to get in a class action is probably two hundred dollars, and, and you're going to make sure that everybody else gets uh, gets paid and you don't, or you get almost nothing. All right. If you like people no. that much, <laughs> knock your socks off. I don't. Okay. Yeah, it's an individual case. It's not a class action. Not even a chance. This is Handle on the Law. Let's check in with Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. If you've been waiting for more stimulating talk, here it is. KFI and iHeart Radio Station. More stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Eureka. That's always a great name. Hi, Eureka. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Hi. I bought a, a, no, my husband sold an item on Craigslist to a gentleman who paid for it. And the gentleman had to make arrangements for pickup because it's really heavy. It weighs about 1,600 pounds. And those arrangements, he's had issues with making them, and so the item's never been picked up. And the item was sold in March, and my husband wants it out of his garage, and he doesn't know what to do about it now. All right, that gets easy. Uh, And that is, you let him know, you let the buyer know that you don't want the item. What is it? What $1,600 item is it? Um, It's not a $1,600 item. Or 1,600 pound. I'm sorry, 1,600 pound item. What is it? 
It's a woodworking tool. All right, just curious as to what it is. And he wants it out of there, correct? Yes, he All does. All right, so you can do a couple of things. Uh, you can resell it. Okay. And whatever he want to you do that. Pardon? He doesn't want to do that. All right, that's easy. You don't have to do money. that. You don't have to do that. Okay. Uh, what he can do is have it picked up. He can donate it. Oh. Mm. All right, and uh, and get the um, the he can get the uh, deduction, and they'll pick it up. Uh, uh-huh. He can give it to someone, and they'll pay for the pickup. I mean, I can't uh-huh. imagine that. Is it a, is it a a good work working tool? I mean, it's in good yeah. shape. Well, it's an excellent. Shape. Okay, well, yeah. no, you're not going to throw it into uh, a landfill. So no. just let the buyer know this is everything that you are going to do, Ooh. starting with trying to sell it. Uh-huh. The only thing is, when you do sell it, uh-huh. uh, you have to give the buyer back the money that uh, he paid if you get more money. Right. If right. you get more money, uh, obviously you can't have a, a double hit. But you could also charge for all the time that you spend on it, too. I would. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So all right. Uh, there's no biggie on that one. But you have to mitigate your damages. That's the problem. Whenever there is a breach... Uh, and you you are going to sell or you are going to do something else, you have to do it in such a way as to mitigate the damages on the other side. You have to do everything reasonable to make sure the other side doesn't get hurt or whatever you can do to help the other side and still be reasonable on your side. You're not, for example, allowed a double hit. You can't sell it for $2,000, he doesn't pick it up, and then you turn around and you resell it uh, for $3,000. You don't get the, you just don't get to keep it. Oh. <sighs> Okay, Kelly. There you go, Kelly. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay, so I have a quick question, but let me get to a place I can ask it. Sorry, just a second. <laughs> okay, so thank you, sir, for taking my call. Sure. I just have a question regarding um, divorce. Uh-huh. I went through, I went through divorce proceedings um, a couple years ago, and during the process, we went to a mediator. During the process of the divorce, the mediator was sick. Basically, the lawyer became ill and was ill pretty much the entire time that we were going through the mediation aspect of it. So I know it's been a couple years, but my question is, is is there a time frame to go take this back and say... No, you, now the divorce is already finished? It's finished. Okay, no, but what, I just, just felt because like I wasn't represented. Uh, well, no, no, it's your attorney. <clears throat> did you have an attorney in mediation? No, we didn't. Okay, we did he and did only. he have an attorney in mediation? No. Okay, so not. both of you sat there with a the mediator. What does that mean? You didn't feel like you were represented. You were representing yourself. Correct, and I apologize for that. I just felt like. The mediation could have went better and a little more fair on both sides. Okay, well, uh, you, Kelly, the problem is you signed off on it. Okay. You agreed to it. If you had a problem with mediation, first of all, you didn't have to take the mediation. There's no such thing mm-hmm. as mandatory mediation. You could say no thanks, and you didn't, and you accepted. And and when you say it could have been fair, uh, more fair on both sides, Kelly, if it's equally unfair, it's equally fair. Well, I felt it could have been more fair on my side. Okay. Well, the problem is you signed off, okay. Kelly. Okay. Yeah, and that's and that's what screws you. Uh, completely, totally, not a chance. Jim. Okay, Jim. Yes. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I bought a I bought an AR fifteen, eighty uh, percent, and I milled it out. I I milled it out, and uh, everybody's telling me that I can't take it nowhere. I can't take it to the desert because if I get caught with it. No, 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 I, I, Jim. I don't think so. You're California, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's considered a home built. I think you're okay with that. I was just talking to someone about that. Uh, because if you're milling out, and the mill out is the trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a loophole, my man, that you just went through. And now you own an AR-15, which has, uh, it has absolutely no identification, doesn't have a serial number on it, and that's legitimate. So uh, go ahead and take it out to the desert. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, I'd like... I, I, if I if I need to get it registered, it's no big deal to me. I just bought it. I don't know how you I don't know how you register it without a serial number, Jim. But if you, there's places that will put them on there. That's, you. Uh, you know what? And that's news to me. I have uh, okay. Then you go out and you get it registered. I mean, now you're in areas since I don't do guns. Uh, I have right. I, yeah. I have no idea where you go and what places can you get a registration of a gun. Do you go to a gun shop and they put a serial number on? Uh, I really don't know. Which is not unusual when I say I really don't know. Uh, hello, Ron. Yes, sir. Hi, hi, Bill. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, my question is, if I was recently remarried and I pay child support uh, to my ex-wife based on my income, does my new spouse's income also take an effect for that calculation if she reviews my child support amount? Uh, generally not. But you can always turn around with child support. And if all of a sudden you marry someone who uh, has a couple of kids, for example, uh, and you have to support those kids, you walk into court, the court takes that into consideration. And especially if you adopt those kids, let's say, well, then that's a given. You now have three kids. But, uh, yeah, change of circumstances will do it. So you just go into court. You can always, always ask for modification of child support doesn't hurt to go in and uh, throw it in and say, here, I want uh, a reduction or increase in child support. So the answer for the most part is yes, you can always go in and uh, the judges don't like doing that, but they will. Okay. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. Communication is at the center of the human experience. Unfortunately, most people are doing it wrong. I'll explain on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 7 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Annie. Hi, Annie. Hello, Annie. Yes, ma'am. Hi. My question is... Are you? Wait, wait, wait. Annie, you're not on a speakerphone, are you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you, wanna, you, put, is, put, you want you want to put the handset to your face? It is to my face. Boy, that's still pretty echoey. All right. Okay. Um, if my husband uh, opens a check, uh, charge account, applies uh, for a credit card, and he puts me on... Unknowingly, am I responsible for that debt? Well, uh, the answer is it sure looks like it, except uh, you haven't signed it, and you're going to argue with the credit card company. As soon as you find out 
that there's a credit card with your name on it, and you go ahead and you let the credit card company know that's not your credit. However, okay, okay, so you're probably good on that one. The problem is that the money that he owes, they're going to go after any community property money if he defaults. Oh. And you both have community property. You probably both, you probably, everything you have is probably community property. Yes. So here's the problem. He's responsible through the community property. So in the end, you get nailed no matter what. But uh, Annie, what difference does it make if uh, he uh, spends the money or doesn't spend the money? You guys are married. Why would he get a credit card without your name on it? And what he would intend to do with it? We're separated. Ah, then you're fine. As soon as he has law eaten, wait, that's different. Well, it's not legally separated. We're just separated. He's he's down in Nicaragua. Yeah, somewhere. oh, Nicaragua. That's even better. Uh, no, if yeah. you find out, if you get the bill from the credit card company, you say, I didn't sign it. I had no idea this existed. We've been separated since uh, X period of time. This application was done afterwards. I'm not responsible. And they will take you off. You'll be okay. No, okay. Yeah, okay. Nicaragua. I don't know why would anybody move to Nicaragua. Hi, Kelly. Hey, yes. Uh, I just uh, my daughter has a Toyota, and it had a she got a recall notice for the airbag. It's the airbags we all know about that explode and send out shrapnel. And she took it into the dealer to get it taken care of. They said there is nothing they can do. They have no way to repair it, replace it, or do anything. And for the time being, which is indefinite, to just have nobody sit in the front seat of her car. Yeah, that's what they do, Kelly. Because there's nothing you can do. Well, like, here's the problem. There are five million of those of you, Kelly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so where in line are you? Let's say you're the third millionth person that walk in. Okay. They probably don't have thousands of airbags sitting in the back. They can replace it. Correct. And that's the problem. So uh, you have to, uh, how does that work? You have to find out where in line I'd go back to the dealer and say, here's a recall, and I'm assuming it's a Tanaka airbag, correct? I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah. She took it in, so I don't know. Then you they... want, uh, I'd contact the Tanaka people. I would contact the lawyers involved with those people, and yeah. I would go back to the dealer and say, is there a time, is there an estimated time when uh, I, my car will be, be able to be fixed? And they could say, Tanaka's never even told us. When it is. We know we have a recall. We know they said they're replacing the bags. But again, Kelly, there's 5 million people that have your problem. Okay. They actually told her there was no solution, not even. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. They can replace the airbag. Oh, that's not true. That's not true at all. That's the problem we're having. Yeah, then go to another. Go to Kelly, go to another dealer. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can go to any. Yeah, you can go to any dealer. Uh, That's so that that doesn't. You're fine on that. Alan. Hi, Alan. Hey, Bill. Love the show. Thank you. Hey, uh, I have a residential contractor question. Yes. If a homeowner refuses to pay the balance on a home improvement contract, does the work guarantee or warranty still remain in effect? Oh, that's a good question. And I would say no, because there's a breach of contract going on, and therefore there is no contract at all. Oh, interesting. Yeah, including the warranty. Once there's a breach, man, everything is off the table. Oh, interesting. Okay, is that uh, specific to California? I don't, you know, I, uh, frankly, I don't know, because I just made it up. 
So awesome. it's it, so me making it up is specific to California, but me making it up is probably across the country. But I think I'm right on that one. Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll check that up. It yeah, please. Yeah. Something that came up and uh, uh, listens to the show all the time, I'm like, man, this is a perfect question for you. Yeah, no, it is. And it'd be great if I knew about it. And yeah. <laughs> it would be wonderful. And I should because I used to be a contractor. So, uh, see, it all works out. Matt. Hi, Matt. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Matt, you there? I'm here. Yes, sir. Okay, I have had a house that I sold on payments that burned down in the recent California fires, the Blue Cut fires, about three months ago. I was effectively the bank. Oh, so you sold it. So you you, you, uh, carried back paper on it. I carried back paper on it. Yes, okay, sir. and so the house, oh. the house burned down in the fires. They did have insurance. I was listed as as the additionally insured. All right. Now, to to my surprise, which I found interesting, the insurance company says they are going to issue one check for the total loss in both my name and the home buyer's yeah. or the insured name, and it's up to us to fight it out. Now, I agree that I'm not going to sign the check over to them, and they've agreed they're not going to sign the check over to me, so it leaves me in a rather precarious position. Well, I I don't know if it does or not. It probably leaves them in a precarious position because they have to live someplace and you're still okay. And so uh, you you can do a couple of things on this one. Uh, You can uh, ask for a mediator where you guys pay for a mediator to work this out, and a mediator who has experience in construction law. Uh, mediators are generally attorneys who specialize in this field and then just sit down and work it out over a few hours. That's one. If it turns out that they're not willing to really sit down, then what you do is you file a lawsuit for the money, and then you do an interpleader. You actually interplead the money with the court. So... Here's the lawsuit to the court. Here's the check. Now let's go to work. And the judge will make that decision. And the judge will issue an order, and effectively the judge will sign the check on your behalf pursuant to a court order. So it's either a sit-down, a mediator, or a lawsuit. Okay. And And looking in the mirror, my friend, and saying, why the hell did I hold back and take paper? Tell me about it. Okay, let me tell it again. again. You look in the mirror and you say, why the (laughs) hell didn't I just get my money out of that and let them make payments to me? Okay, so we've done that twice. Go ahead. The note states that upon alienation, the note is due payable in full. Does a fire destroying a house I don't know. I don't know if I don't I don't know if that is. I have no idea. But it doesn't matter. You're gonna to have to interplead anyway. I mean, you're gonna to have to stand and work it out and sign off. There's no choice. None. All right. This is handle on the law. Hour number two, handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, raining a little bit this morning. Notice that coming in 
been a wet, wet winter. Has been a wet winter. Has been a very wet whatever the last couple months are. All right. Uh, hour number two. Uh, let me give you a, a phone number because uh, top of the hour, always, always the best time to call. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. And uh, we continue until 11 o'clock this morning. And there are people, if you haven't gotten in before because you've been sitting there for a while, it's either because uh, we're jammed, which we will be. So if you have a legal question, I suggest you jump in because uh, you can get in fairly early. So there are two reasons why you're going to be waiting a while. Number one, because we're very busy. Uh, number two is because uh, your call may be so astoundingly boring uh, that I can't take it. So either way, 800-520-1-KFI. That's 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. So, and I've talked about this one so many times. There are scammers out there that take advantage of the American with Disabilities Act. The ADA has very specific rules regarding the incline of a ramp, for example. It has to be X percent, and it can't be uh, above that percentage. Otherwise, you're, the, the business is in violation of the ADA. Uh, the elevator panels uh, have to be at a certain height. Otherwise, there's a violation Mirrors in restrooms, for example, at businesses have to be at a uh, minimum height or a maximum height. And if you're off a quarter of an inch, some sleazeball comes in. There's a whole scams. Entire law firms are based on this. They come in, a lawsuit is filed, and they'll settle because the mirror is a quarter inch off. And uh, they'll settle for $3,500, $4,500. It's absolutely disgusting. All right. So uh, here's a case where an ADA... Uh, lawsuit has been filed, and you may think this one's a little bit different, although, you know, it sounds sort of run-of-the-mill. Uh, complaint filed in federal court in Manhattan accuses, Manhattan accuses the Four Freedoms Park on Roosevelt Island of the systematic discriminatory exclusion of people who use wheelchairs. And it's in violation, the lawsuit says, of the ADA and then uh, state and local statutes and it ha- it's a four-acre park on the southern tip of the island, designed more than four decades ago, and this is before the ADA took effect. Construction, however, didn't begin until 2010, and then the park opened in 2013, so it has to be in compliance of the ADA. And there is an elevated lawn that's a big part of the, the space, and the only way a wheelchair can get in is at the far end of the park, and then has to roll over to this end of the park, and they're uneven paving stones, gravel, grass, almost impossible. And so you look at all of that, very difficult, uh, substantially inaccessible to those with mobility disabilities, and there's one part of it that you can't get into at all. So what makes this case a little different? Well, it's a park honoring, honoring Franklin Roosevelt, who was in a wheelchair. Now, I find that a little erotic. The President Roosevelt in a wheelchair, we get a park 
honoring President Roosevelt that you can't get in if you're in a wheelchair. So my guess is that this puppy is never going to go to trial. Never in a million years. So uh, we can put this one under ironic in that file. All right. Uh, Let's let's figure out uh, which uh, call we're going to take. All right, Janelle, we'll start with you. Hello, Janelle, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Bill, I need to know if someone can put a lien on your property without telling you why they're putting that lien. Well, uh, anybody can put a lien on any property. The point is, is it a proper lien? Is it legally okay to do so without all kinds of consequences? So did someone put a lien on your property? sent me a letter stating that they're going to put a lien on my property if I don't pay $1,200. For what? What do you owe, What do they say you owe $1,200 for? Okay, I had to put a fence up on the... Ah, beach. preliminary notice of lien by a supplier of building materials, correct? No. Oh, okay. It's my neighbor. They want me to take the fence down or pay some money, and I'm not going to do any... All right, uh, Janelle, is it uh, someone... Did your neighbor put a fence on your property? No, I put the fence on my property, but my neighbor wants me to take it down. Is it on your property? Yes. Oh, you tell the neighbor to go screw himself. Thank you. Okay, there you go, uh, two pounds sand. Let me get this right. She built a fence on her property. The neighbor says, take down your fence on your property, and if you, or you pay $1,200, or I put a lien on the house. Boy, there's a lawsuit against neighbor, big time. I mean, big time. Oh, Lori. Hi, Lori, as I'm trying to figure out which call to take. I'm not fast on it today for some reason. I don't know. All right, Lori, you're up. Yes, I have a friend who has owned a house for 15 years with her mother, and the mother has a title. And the mother went to Florida, broke her hip, and now she's in Florida. Her sister now has power of attorney, and... She asked the sister, it's time to put the property in my name. And the sister said, don't you trust me? And she's trying to protect herself. She's been making the house payments, struggling to do that because the mother now lives in Florida because she broke her hip. So there's no way she can come back to California. Why would she have to come back to California? No, she, she doesn't. But now the sister in Florida has the power of attorney. Yeah, and? Well... She's asking the sister, now the title needs to go in my name. Yeah, but the sister doesn't have the right to transfer title with the power of attorney. So what can she do? Who? The The, sister? No, the one that owns the house in California. She can transfer it to whoever she wants to. And if uh, mom wants to transfer the property to one of the kids, she has to physically sign a deed over to whoever she wants to turn the property over. And it has to be notarized. And then filed in the state of California or wherever the property is. doesn't matter where you sign it. But power of attorney isn't going to cut it, Lori. No, she's not, huh? No, no. She doesn't have the right to do that. No, not at all. It has to be a transfer from the owner. And if the owner is incapable of doing it, then a conservatorship has to be uh, asked for and gotten. And then under a conservatorship, the power of attorney, or under conservatorship, the property can be transferred. But if there is a will, already there's a huge issue going on. 
Uh, does mom want one of the girls to have uh, the property? Uh, she has a she has a very contentious relationship with my friend that took care of her. Okay, the who has a contentious relationship? The mother? No, the yeah, the mother and the. Okay, well, then uh, whatever. It it depends on uh, if there's a will. If there isn't a will and mom dies, it goes to both of the sisters, your friend and her sister. So that's fairly easy. But the bottom line is power of attorney does not cut it. Okay. All right, there you are. Everybody's calling on behalf of a friend. Well, no. That's not true. Fence lady didn't. Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hello. Yes. So, um, can... We sue, me and my mother sue, um, a family member who did not let us know that our grandfather died. Over a year ago, my grandfather died dead, buried. Yeah, that's usually what happens when people die. They tend to be dead. Yes. Well put, yes. (laughs) Buried. And buried sometimes, yes. Go ahead. Right. (laughs) So the the money's gone. We already know. Oh, wait, wait. How did, wait, wait. The money is gone. Tell me about where the money was, and how is it that uh, the uh, whoever was it that tr- that had got hold of the money was it in a trust? Was it in a bank account that both uh, grandfather and this is a granddaughter you're talking about that took the money? Yeah. Well, okay. you know what happened? My, my grandfather passed away. He had a will. Okay. Um, I'm the granddaughter. I was in the will. My mother was in the will. We do know his wife. It was his wife of 30 years. You know, I had power of attorney, closed out every single account. Okay, what name was it? Okay, hold on. The right. name in on the account was, was it granddad and his wife? No, it was just granddad and my mother. Okay, so the wife, in fact, cleaned out the account, right? Yes, she did. How did she clean out the account without forging uh, granddad's name? Well, see, and that's the thing is we we were unable to find out that. All right, there's, okay, two things. First of all, you file a lawsuit instantly uh, against her. And are we talking to substantial amounts of money here? Yes. Oh, yeah. How much? Um, Oh, gosh, we're looking at at least 500,000. Okay, it's where you you have to have a probate and a state lawyer. You have to file a lawsuit instantly. I mean, instantly. And there may be, and there's probably a criminal violation here, a straight theft. Okay, but 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 can we find a place that deals with people? You know, my mother. Lives yeah, it's called a law. Income. It's called a law firm or a lawyer. Right, but but are there any lawyers that deal with people on fixed income? That's what we're having a problem. It may be a percentage. You may talk about a. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't know how many lawyers would do this on a contingency, but you just have to look around. The other possibility is everybody just pitch in and hires a lawyer. So you wanted to, the whole issue here is research. Based on what you said, uh, Jennifer, it seems like a no-brainer unless you've got uh, the, uh, unless you have the granddaughter that just cleaned out, or the wife that cleaned out the account, and there's no money left. There's no money to, to get, and that's a right. possibility. And-, and if it's a forgery and there's no money to get, I mean, she's looking at some very serious criminal violations here. Well, that's what we want. We want it. Okay, I got it. I got it. So talk to a lawyer, uh, and he'll, okay. the lawyer, he or she will call, you say, call the cops, uh, and uh, that's all you can do. Okay. That's it. Sounds good. Okay. No, it sounds bad, because my guess is there is a, a woman is willing to do that to the rest of the family. Uh, that's an issue. This is Handle on the Law. 
Rocia Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. Uh, good morning, young lady. Good morning, Bill. Coming up today on the Fork Report, Chef Jeff Tila from the Food Network stops by to talk Thai food and the SoCal food scene. Dustin Bartz from Bartz Barbecue talks Central Texas-style barbecue and his pop-up barbecue catering business. Also, you'll learn about the craziest food vending machines ever. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. Uh, Saturday morning. Little rainy. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. All right, let's do it. Uh, Chris, you're up. Hello, Chris. Hi, Bill. How's it going? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Okay, 55 acres of land undeveloped, probably $250,000 worth of value. Um, <clears throat> both parent, both of my parents have passed. There's four siblings. Um, the, the land was to go to us. We have it in a deed with all of our names on it. One sibling is saying they've developed it, improved it a little bit. Um, myself am wanting to get in court the the property divided equally so we know where our parcels are. Um, we're told that, uh, hey, you know, we're going to sue you as soon as that happens because I want reimbursed for money that I've All right. Uh, so the property is in everybody's name and uh, the boundaries aren't placed. Uh, so it hasn't been subdivided or anything. It's just uh, everybody owns all of it, right? Correct. Yeah. And well, first of all, without a zoning change, nothing's going to happen. Second of all, without everybody signing off on it, nothing is going to happen. So until all four of you decide what you're going to do with the land, let it stay vacant, develop it, which means rezoning, and you have to go through the whole process of rezoning and then turning around and selling it or uh, or developing it, nothing happens. You're going to sit on an empty piece of land for a while. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, the only thing thing that one of the siblings can do is force the sale. Okay. Okay. And if it turns out, and then it's going to be predicated on that sibling's going to say, okay, this is worth a zillion dollars. Uh, the three of you are going to say, no, it's not. It's worth 40 cents. And then once, assuming this lawsuit goes down the pike, then what happens is uh, that there is a value uh, that is placed on the land. If the court has to, the court has to accepts one of the valuations, one of the appraisals, and says, okay, here it is. Here's uh, the value of the land. Let's say it's $400,000. Uh, okay, so you can sell it for $400,000 or turn to the three of you and go, okay, buy them out. Write a check. Okay. All right. And can so, we just go ahead and get that um, surveyed and then submit the survey? Sure, I think any, they'll uh, survey it, but what good is a survey going to do? True. true. I mean, literally, okay. why would you spend money on a survey? Okay. If you're not going to do anything with it. Gotcha. All right. Good luck. It's always wonderful when siblings go crazy like that, right? Absolutely. All right, Chris. Hi, Chris. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Bill, uh, I live in San Diego, and I have a, 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 a small coffee shop in Ocean Beach. Oh, good for you. Where, By the way, where are you from, Chris? From Greece. I've been here 52 years and 30 years in Canada. Yeah. You know what, Chris? You sound like you arrived here yesterday afternoon. You know that, don't you? 
Well, that's okay, Bill. This, all, everybody has different, you know. We are, we're a, a melting pot here, so that's okay. Okay. I arrived, I arrived 52 years ago here. Okay. Listen, uh, Welcome uh, to America. That's I, great. I have a coffee shop in Ocean Beach. Yeah. The water. Because of the salt water, the air condition, and the heater were kaput. They didn't, they didn't work in summertime. Because of my health, I asked my wife, I'm 84 years old, I said, my wife, do run the business, and I can't work anymore. So they called a plumber to, to install the air conditioner water heater. Then I want to do my income tax, and I asked him, please, I don't have any invoice from you. Can you send me some invoices? He said, no, no, too many. Uh, All right, that's easy. Okay, so you want to be able to deduct the amount of money you spent for the repair. Exactly. Okay, did you write, okay, did you write him a check? Yes. Oh, okay, yes. you have the check. That's it. There's your deduction. You prove it by a check, and if you get audited per chance, and let's say the IRS says no to that because you don't have the proof, you go, here it is. Here's my check, and here is me asking for uh, the invoice. By the way, make sure that that's in an email. Let me add something to change your opinion. Bill, the, the air conditioner water heater, he sent me, he, he, he charged me $41,000, and it's too much. He took all our money from the bank. My wife, she didn't know what she What do you doing. mean he gave, you gave him a bank account number? Yeah, we gave him $41,000 of a check. My wife, she could not read. She gave a check, 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 check. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, then you, now, now you have to sue him. Now you have to sue him, Chris. Oh, uh-huh. Now you have to file a lawsuit against him for the money back because it was a mistake. It's a mess. It's a mess. So your wife is blind, and she wrote the checks, right? Yes. Wow. Boy, that's a good idea. But now, Bill, do I have a chance to... Yeah, you know, I don't know if you have a chance to collect it. You certainly have a case against him. Bill, why so much money? Is, 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 I don't know. I, but put it this way. If I could get away with it, would I charge you $41,000 for a $200 water heater? Uh, maybe. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But that's only because you came from Greece, and I love Greek food. Bill, I love Saganaki. You know that? I know you do. You have to file a lawsuit, Chris. You have no choice. Lawsuit? No small claims court. No, if you go to small claims court, you'll only get $10,000 back. That's not very good. No, no, I'm sorry, but it's the time for a lawyer. And the problem is, a lawyer is going to cost a few thousand dollars. That's not, it's, well, it's enough for a lawyer, but that's a heartbreaker. It really is. So, what's the takeaway here? Don't let blind people write checks. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. What's the news? KFI, where local leads. KFI and iHeart Radio Station. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here. And it is a uh, Saturday morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Okay, uh, Peter. Hello, Peter. You're up. Yes, Bill. Uh, real fast. The circumstances are I'm divorced. I own nothing uh, of any value. My car is nine years old. I have a couple of life insurance policies, uh, small, 2000 5000 but I have one big one, 120000 My question is my children are adults. I'm under the impression 
that if I owe somebody even $2,000, let's say, on a credit card, can my life insurance policies be taken or no. attached no. from because my a, children? No. Uh, so the beneficiary are your kids. Yeah, they yes. get the money and they're, no, creditors can't yes. go after that. Uh, no, absolutely not. However, yeah. uh, let, let me throw something in the mix here. Yeah. Uh, you have a $100,000 life insurance policy, and I'm assuming... One of them is 120 Okay, yeah, and, I'm, is it a, and I'm assuming it's a whole life policy that you've paid into every month, and there's some cash value in it, correct? Uh, yeah, there's a, it's from a previous employer. Okay, how much... And I how still much, pay uh, the premiums, even though I'm retired. All right, is, so is it a term policy, or is it a whole policy? Oh, you know, uh, honestly, I forget. I would have to look. Tell me what the difference would be. Okay, a term policy builds up cash value. I mean, a, uh, a term policy has no cash value at all. When you die, okay. it pays out, and you can't cash it in. Whole life, universal life... Uh, is actually a combination of a savings plan as well as life insurance. Uh-huh. And it builds up cash value. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the cash value is more money than what you've put into it, actually, uh-huh. many years down the road. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, I have a, uh, uh insurance policy on my kids that I bought them uh, many years ago. And there's a pretty substantial amount of cash value, but I own the policy, which means I can cash it anywhere, anytime I want. And it depends on how pissed off I am at my kids. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to take the money. The point is, if it's a whole life policy, you can cash it in and take the money. Because if you have a nine-year-old car and you have no money, why are you leaving money to your kids? Well, I'm retired. I'm living on uh, Social Security. Okay, why wouldn't it be nice to have a few thousand extra bucks in your pocket? Well, yeah, I do. I have it uh, in other places, yes, but I can still afford okay. to leave them something. Okay, now hang on. The credit, wait a sec, the credit card companies can go after those other places that you have money. Do you have savings accounts? Uh, yes. Okay, how much in savings? Uh, two accounts, only like 5000 in each. No, you're not going to, they're not going to go after that. How much money in credit card debt do you have? 2000 No, they're not going to touch it. Go ahead and die. Okay. You can, yeah, you can go ahead, die with a uh, with an open mind, die comfortably. I hope you die comfortably, because that's a much better way to die than uncomfortably. But yeah, you know, just croak and go. Okay, you know, there you go. I love you guys. You don't have to worry about it. Okay, Marlene. Hi, Marlene. Yeah, I'm having a dispute with my homeowners association. Never heard of that before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with, uh, my unit's a PUD, a planned unit development, which originally when they set it up meant that I was responsible for roof repair and inside and so forth. But over the years, they've taken over responsibility for doing the roof, and, we're, and in fact, I'm not even allowed to touch it now. So we had a bad leak, and they fixed the outside part, but the inside part is damaged, and they're saying that they won't do it. And because but, of why? Because that's uh, th- those are the rules of the CCNRs? Because, because, uh, because originally it was set up. It doesn't like matter what originally it was set up by. Right, it doesn't, right. well, for example, yeah. Uh, yeah, what if it was originally an apartment building and then they converted it to condo? You go, originally it was an apartment building, so we can evict you. Well, that's why I'm taking the stand I'm taking. Yeah, you go to, you, if push comes to shove, you simply take the HOA to court. That's all. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything that I need to go to to uh, make a formal claim or anything? Yeah, you have to it? first you first have to make a formal claim. So you write to the board and mm-hmm. you say, I want you to repair this. They say no. 
uh, find out if there's any appeals level, which I'm sure there isn't. And then uh, once you've written and they told you to go pounce and you file a lawsuit against them, that's all. And say it's because of the leak that you're responsible for is why I'm damaged. I have one of those going on right now, as a matter of fact, with uh, uh, the condo that my daughter, in quotes, rents from me and leak, causing damage. And we call them up. And the difference is we're lucky enough to have a good management company that jumped right on it. And uh, send someone to uh, fix the leak. That's just a leak on the roof. We have not yet talked about the damage to the ceiling yet. I can't wait for that one. Mary. Hi, Mary. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Sure. Um, About a few months ago, you told me that I was the stupidest person on earth. Okay. So you want a second version? You want you're the stupidest person on earth 2.0? Exactamundo. Excellent. I, I gave a third of my property to a so-called relative with no compensation whatsoever, and now she wants me to be forced to give up my two-thirds. And she went to court, and I got a court order. To, she got a court order, whatever, to sell it yeah. for a third. Uh, yeah, here. well, wait a sec. When you gave it to her, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, first of all, yeah, let me reiterate that you are the stupidest person in the world. That's for starters. Second of all, how is the property held? Tell me how the title works. My two thirds is in my name, and one third, but it's on the her. deed. But she's on the deed yes. uh, well, as a third owner. Recorded. Yes. Okay, it's yes. a deed. They all have to be recorded, and she's right. forcing the sale of the property. She can do that, right? But could she sell it to herself for thirty thousand dollars? No, no. You have to. Nope. You have to agree. The sale oh. of a property, you have to be part and parcel of it from beginning to end, Mary. I love you. Yeah. Well, and you're an idiot. Okay, let's move on. <sighs> Hello, Bill. You're up. Welcome. Hi, Bill. Uh, so I had a pipe burst underneath my slab. I I contracted a uh, repiping company to come in and repipe the whole house. So me- meanwhile, we have no water because every time we turn the water on, water's gushing from the floor. So the guys, we, I signed a contract. They take a deposit through my credit card. They tell me they're going to show up on Monday. Monday, no show. Tuesday, they tell me, okay, we're coming Tuesday. Two guys show up. They tell me, oh, this job's too big. we got to send a different crew. Wednesday, they show up. The guys are sitting there. My wife is telling me they're not doing anything. Then they tell me, oh, the jobs, they don't want to do the job. They're going to cancel the job. They're not going to do it. Do I have a case against these guys? Of course. Of course, on a, cu- on a couple of levels. On, on a couple of levels. Uh, first of all, you have a straight-out straight breach of contract. So what you get to do is go to another company and get a bid on redoing the, uh, on uh, doing the repiping. And if that bid is more, is more expensive than what this original contract calls for, they're responsible uh, this company is responsible for the difference. So let's say it's a $30,000 bid, hypothetically, and the next bid comes in at $40,000. Uh, company number one gets to pay you $10,000 for the difference. And then the other issue is, and I don't know how much money it's worth in terms of uh, you're going to be out of it for a week, let's say, before they start working. Yeah, yeah, you know, you sue for it's. Uh, you know, usually pain and suffering and hassle factor no one gives a damn about. But 
in this case, being without water and you relying on them to fix it, there's a concept called detrimental reliance. You rely to your detriment. And then you try to convince someone uh, that uh, whatever it, it's worth not to have water, that you have to shut it off. I think it's worth some. I really think that's worth something. If I were a judge, I'd give it to you. I'd give you a couple, three, four thousand dollars for that. Uh, this is a, this was all under you know uh, ten thousand dollars. So I assume I can go to. Oh Fox yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you bet you can go to. Oh yeah, you can sue and you can sue for your money back, and again sue for the difference. That's what I would do. And of course well, you can. They, yeah. They, they they gave me back my deposit. All right, but you can, the credit card. Okay, but it doesn't matter. You can still sue them for the okay. difference because that's a contract. They signed right. a contract that said they will do it for $8,000, let's say. And if it costs you $10,000, you sue them for $2,000. And on top of that, I throw some hassle factor in. I throw right. in another, I would throw the, the maximum amount in. So let's say it's a $2,000 lawsuit. I'd hit him for $10,000 and ask uh, the judge to give you part of it. Right. That's it. Okay. That's what I would do. Yeah. Fair enough. This is Handle on the Law. And there is uh, Rocio Rivera in the KFI newsroom. Hey, Rocio. What's up, Bill? There was a time when smart house technology was only for the very wealthy. Now it's within everyone's reach. Right, Siri? Yes, that's right, Dean. Oh, you're making my circuits tingle, you big handsome stud. Siri, control yourself. Smart houses for everyone. This week on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 10 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. She put the hurt and hurt. She put the why and try. She put the SOB and sober. She put the hang and hangover. She put the KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Back we go. More Handel on... The Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Mary, you're up. Welcome to... Oh, easy for me to say. Welcome to Handle on the Law. A week ago, I had an argument with a friend and said I didn't want to have any more involvement. And he was parked behind me and got in his car. I walked across the lawn, picked up my dog, and as I was about to enter the side of my minivan, he revved up his car and he bashed into mine. And there's an outline of his license plate and uh, my bumper. There's some holes and paper. Okay, so uh, let me get this right. He rear-ended your minivan, right? Right. Okay. He waited until I was about to get into it with my dog. He intended to injure us. Mm -hmm. And? And I'm not injured, but I would like the bumper repaired. Yeah, Uh, of course. When I met him, the car is in his mother's name and... uh, when I met his parents, they didn't tell me that he was um, bipolar and had paranoid. Disease. Yeah, that doesn't really matter. Okay. You know, that's incidental. So, okay. you, how he was much an damage? Uber driver at the time. Um, what, pardon? He was an Uber driver. Oh, that's great. It says a yeah. lot for Uber, doesn't it? Oh, right. right. Mary, how much damage to repair your bumper? I haven't gotten an estimate. All right, you have to get an estimate. It to the police. All right, uh, well, the police I, aren't going to do it. I'm with the father today. Yeah, the, the he isn't willing to help me. I All don't right. know what to do. You sue both the father and him. Okay, the police are going to do nothing, Mary. Uh-huh. Nothing. And the fact that uh, he almost hit you, first of all, he's going to deny you were that close. 
Oh, of course. And but if they're he witnesses, probably denied the whole incident. Well, he can what? And his and his license plate is etched into the bumper of your car. Yeah, let him deny all he wants. That's going to be a problem for him. And so you have to find out. You have to find out how much it's going to cost to get it repaired. Okay. That's it. And then you sue both him and uh, the dad in small claims court for the cost of the repair. And uh, I wouldn't even bring up the fact that he intentionally tried to hit you. Maybe, maybe, but he's going to deny it. And if you uh, use the almost uh, business, uh, it doesn't work that way. Mary, okay. almost close uh, only counts in two two issues that I know of, and that's horseshoes and hand grenades. Other than that, <laughs> it's not very much. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. All right, John. Uh, no, Mark. Hello, Mark. You're up. Hey, I just retired and moved out to Malibu with my wife and uh, just bought a home out there in Carbon Beach. Our next-door neighbor has a private security company that works for them. I'm not going to say him or her. Works for them, and they are causing us a lot of trouble. How so? They've been, well, they've been trespassing on our property, for one. I saw one of them on our back balcony yesterday looking oh, into the Oh, 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 okay. And I'm, assume, I'm assuming you have uh, already told both the security company and the uh, owner, uh, next-door neighbor, that it's time to stop. You don't want anyone. Oh, 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 Bill, Bill, it gets so much better. You got to hear this. One of them was on our back back deck, and he did, you know, all that stuff walking around back there. I catch him frequently looking into our window. All right, why aren't you calling the police for trespass? I have. And the police don't show up? Police haven't showed up. So uh, how many times have you called the police uh, that you have this this trespassing security guard uh, on your property? Twice. And nope. they All right. So now you get to go. Issue. Okay, you have to go to court uh, with a restraining order against the, both the security company and the owner next door, and that's so all. You- the, see, one of the problems that I have though is the house next door. I I know who the owner is, but it's registered through a trust like ours is. So I don't. Do I have to? Well, who signed? Wait, is it the? Do you happen to know who signed the order or signed the contract with the security company? I'm not sure. See, I'm having so much trouble because all of the documents in our neighborhood are so entrenched in, like, privacy. All right, well, just file file a uh, lawsuit, a restraining order against the security company. Okay, and that'll keep them away from I have no idea if it'll keep them away. Who the hell knows? But uh, that's a start. Yeah, and then um, I had one more question for you. We are literally right on the beach, and we have a lot of people that come up onto our property. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. I'm not. I'm not exactly clear though, because I've heard a lot. They're of allowed. They are allowed to be on a public beach, and it depends on. I think the public beach uh, literally starts from where the sand starts on your property. I mean, obviously, you have a property line. I just don't know where the property line is when you're on the water. But here is a question for you. You are on the water, is that correct, in Malibu? Uh, yes, sir. All right. How much is your ho- uh, house worth? Just real quickly. Uh, final closing costs and all in $19.1 million. $19.1 million, And you are calling a free lawyer on the radio for legal <laughs> advice. Do I have that right? I have been a fan of your show. Listen, all right. Bill, I- I've been a fan of your show since I was 10 years old. Well, that makes on. me feel much better. But, Mark, uh, I've yeah. got to tell you, I would I would actually buy an hour of time from a good lawyer of which you could afford anybody on this planet. 
Yeah. But anyway, you have to the point is is that when when you buy property on the beach, the beach is public property. And they're allowed to walk up and down. Now they can't go on as I said on your property. I just don't you know we have to call the city of Malibu and find out where the property line starts. And I, and I think it may mm-hmm. literally be right there at the that where your prop where just below the steps. Well, I talked to the neighbors and they've kind of said the same thing that basically there was some ordinance put out that it's private property past where the water can touch. But the problem is with all this crazy weather we've been having. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. To, yeah, I mean, you're, I, see, that's, that's why I would never buy uh, a beachfront property uh, because, number one, uh, I'd have a tough time closing a $19.1 million property for one thing. And also, here's the other good news. With the erosion that's happening, uh, your house is going to be in the water in a matter of a few years. Oh, it's overinsured. Uh, oh, yeah, but you still have to live there. I wonder if you have insurance for that. With the erosion and the water, I don't know. I should have stayed on the phone, but we're out of time. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640 Handle here on a Saturday morning right until 11 o'clock. Followed by Leo Laporte, 11 to 2. Fork Report from 2 to 5. 6 to 8, Mo Kelly. Monique Marvez comes aboard at 8 o'clock. And then, frog in my throat, and then Brian Suits from uh, 10 to midnight, Dark Secret Place. So that's our Saturday lineup right here on KFI. And tomorrow morning is Elizabeth Espinoza starting starting at uh, 6. And then, no, do I have that right? Starting at 5. Right. And uh, then Jesus Christ starting at 7. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's do it. What do you think? This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Most states in the United States now have no-fault divorces. No-fault meaning the court doesn't care why you want to get divorced. And the basis of the divorce, irreconcilable differences. I want a divorce. Okay, it used to be very difficult to get divorces. You would have to prove cruelty, or the woman was generally. Uh, you would have to either prove fraud. Uh, you would have to prove uh, non-consummation of marriage, non-consummation in the marriage. And uh, then the big one was always adultery. But uh, even when it was an amicable divorce, where both parties wanted to get divorced, they had to manufacture an adultery situation. So... The generally the man, uh, they would arrange for uh, a woman, friend of his, to walk into a a motel room, for example, and then walk out. And the photographs show them walking in and walking out. And if it wasn't time dated or they'd stay for half an hour in there and talk and walk out and there was proof of adultery. Well, that all changed. Except in England. Where the grounds for divorce are still adultery or desertion, unreasonable behavior. That's the one that's the easiest to prove. Unreasonable behavior uh, and uh, five years or five-year separation or the agreement of both parties. And if one party disagrees, uh, chow baby, and you have to prove the other ones. Uh, or just a straight five-year spe- uh, uh, separation. So there is a, a couple, and uh, the only name we have is Mrs. Owens and Mr. Owens. And Mrs. Owens... 
is asking for a divorce. And her allegation was unreasonable behavior. And the testimony was she said the marriage was loveless, desperately unhappy. She was left in a wretched state by his manner, tone, insensitivity, and mistrust. This is all in the complaint, mind you. And in addition, as to specifics, yelling at her in an airport after her failure to buy just the right tchotchke from Duty Free, nasty remarks made during dinner with guests, endless passive-aggressive sighing and tut-tutting, and the lower court said, "Uh, no, that's not enough. And the basis of, no, that's not enough, is saying, welcome to marriage. That's to be expected. Everybody went, huh? How is that possible? I can understand it. I'll tell you right now. I've been married long enough where I go, yeah, I can I can see uh, the judges doing that. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to marriage. All right. So the judge, a complete jerk, and you go, come on, right? How is that not unreasonable behavior? So uh, the court, lower court says, no, we're not, I'm not going to grant you the divorce. Now, this almost never happens. Almost never. But occasionally it does. So Mrs. O- uh, Mrs. Owens takes it up to the appeals court. And the appeals court agrees with the lower court and will not grant the divorce. Ruling it is not a ground for divorce to find yourself in a wretchedly unhappy marriage. Matter of fact, I would go further. That's the way marriages are supposed to be. At least that's my understanding. And uh, a lawyer, a, a divorce lawyer, Aisha Vardag, who was involved in the case, says, come on, judges shouldn't be allowed to compel people to stay married. We must push forward with no-fault divorce and end ridiculous charades like this. Yeah. I love that case. Welcome to the world of divorce in England. All right. Definitely some uh, phone calls. All right. Darian. Hello, Darian. You're up. Welcome. Howdy. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, um, I have a... Oh, well, first, I'm, I'm a big fan. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have a question. My uh, my mother recently hired a guy to uh, fix her roof in the backseat. She there was an addition to the house, and um, she hired but she hired someone to fix the roof. But that back room wasn't actually built legally, so the city is unaware of that back room. So she hired someone to fix that back room, um, but it's still leaking. So and the guy refuses to come back and fix to fix his uh, mistake, and um, now my mom's considering taking him to court. Yes, or suing him. Um, but I I told her maybe that wouldn't be a good idea because if the city finds out, or he he can even say, oh, that room isn't supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and down. good and good thinking on your part. So let me answer. In uh, there are a couple of issues involved here. Uh, first of all, he is responsible for the roof uh, leak. And how much did it cost to repair the roof, incidentally? How much did he charge? Uh, about, about four grand. Okay. Well, then he – and he, is he a licensed roofer? I believe so. Okay. So that that's fairly so. easy. Now, the fact that – I think you need a license to be a roofer. And so that issue is fairly easy. Lawsuit, liability. Now, the question as to the illegal uh, addition of that room – Here's what I think is going to happen is mom is going to win the case and 
she is in possession and she even built an illegal room in her house. However, I don't think that the court talks to building in safety. I, I don't think that happens. So the fear is that your contractor goes to building and safety and says, I think that's an illegal addition. That may not change that he owes you the money, but it sure gives him the power to extort you. There's consequences. You know, your mom, why didn't your mom take out a permit and build it legally? Well, actually, um, when my parents were together, my old man had it built. All right, but that's still, um, so, how many years ago? Uh, might be like, I want to say 10. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a problem. So if building and safety yeah. gets involved, they may actually ask you to tear it down. So how much is it going to yeah. cost to repair the repair? Mm, I'm not sure. I don't think she got the estimate. I would just, you know, if um, it's not tremendously inexpensive, I would just go ahead and probably do it. I don't think it's okay. worth, I don't think it's worth the hassle. It's a good question, incidentally. Because uh, one decision, which is an illegal or a decision to do an illegal act, then leads to consequences, even though technically, not even technically, uh, the roofer is liable for screwing up. But then that other issue calls into play. This is Handle on the Law. And there's Amy King. Coming up on Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa, the first sick la vie of 2017 is happening this Sunday. We'll have all the road closures and details on this very L.A. event. By the way, what's more L.A. than baby DJ classes? We'll tell you where and when to sign up. Sunday morning with Elizabeth Espinosa. Tomorrow morning at 5 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640 handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Plenty more handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Julie. Hi, Julie. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Phil, I rent out my condo to some tenants that have signed a lease. Should there ever be like a large earthquake and the place collapses, would I be responsible for relocating them or covering their rent while the place was being rebuilt? Only if you don't call them up just before the earthquake and say, get out, there's an earthquake coming. (laughs) No, you're not responsible at all. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. And everybody's on their own on that one. So you're fine. Oh, wonderful. Hopefully that'll never happen. uh, Yeah, hopefully it does never happen. And if it does, I hope that it happens in your neighborhood and not mine. Leah. Hi, Leah. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Hello, Yes. Hello, hello. I'm in possession of a blue-nosed pit bull. And the dog originally, I've had the dog for about two years now. It was originally uh, belonged to my sister. Um, I keep receiving, actually it's my sister, she keeps receiving notices that the the, uh, tags and the dog is not registered. It's been going on for quite a while. um, And... They just sent out the fourth and final notice to her. The dog is still listed as in her name, and I need to know how to move forward with this. The dog, I'm worried about the liability. Um, I've been down to control numerous times. They have not changed. They tell me they change all the information and that I'm in the right. clear. The dog's all right. Does the dog have, uh, you don't even know if that works. 
uh, one of those identity tags that can be read uh, by vets, that sort of thing, the implant under its nose or whatever the hell they do? It does have it. it okay. Does have it and I don't know if the vets talk to the city uh, about that or the city uh, is involved in using those RIFD little tags. I'm assuming that's what they use. But uh, yeah, what, you but, know what, Bill? Just for your information, the dog on the tag is still listed as in her name. It's all right. Like the well, dog. then you don't have to worry about it. She's the one. And if she says, I don't have the dog anymore, my sister has the dog, uh, then the argument is going to be, it's your dog. Do you want it to be your dog? Yes, of course. All right. Then here's what I would do is I would simply assume that the dog is your dog and go and get uh, registered, get a license. You put your name on it. No, I already have. I've done the bill and everything and they right, you've already paid it and they gave you a tag and you've replaced the tag with uh, the tag in your yeah. name right yeah then you know then you ignore you ignore the fact that your sister's getting tagged let her worry about it oh that's not fair my sister's not responsible what happens if this goes to collections and they decide to ding her they're not well then that's that's her problem isn't it leah well that's not fair it's my sister oh well then pay all the back fees and why don't you do that because yes, you love no. your sister, because she's yes, willing no. to screw you over, but you're not willing to screw her no. over. The dog is in the free and clear. It was when I received the. What dog. does that there mean? The no dog is in the free and clear. I mean, the, the people free don't. Free and clear. People don't hold title. The dog, there was no outstanding bills for the dog. All right, but she's the one. Well, are you telling me that you got you've gotten the dog licensed? immediately after you took it over, and the dog has been licensed the entire time, either by your sister or by you? Absolutely. Oh, then you just go to uh, the, oh, that's an easy one. You simply uh, contact the animal control people and say, this is what's happening, and there has to be a form that you uh, sign, and your sister signs it. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would, and what are they going to do? So they're going to tag your sister, you testify that it's your dog, and uh, it's a, would you say, a blue-nosed pit bull? It is. Yeah, so you bring the dog to eat someone over at uh, Animal Control. That's all. Bill, you're the best. Uh, yeah, except I would do that. Hey, see that person over there? Fido? Eat. Eat. I wonder if you can do that with a pit bull. I know you can make him heal, and you can make him sit. You can make him roll over. Can you say eat? And then they go to work. This is Handle on the Law. Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Yo, Amy. Yo, Bill. We see more stimulating talk in your future. That future starts now. KFI, an iHeartRadio station. So beat the drum with me. I'm not America's sweetheart. KFI handle here on a uh, Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock. With uh, this is handle on the law. That's what it is. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, Henry, welcome to handle on the law. Hey, how you doing? I have a non-conventional case of uh, mistaken identity by the city. Interesting. How does the city mistakenly identify you? Yes, my. A neighbor created a cul-de-sac of homes, which uh, the trash service won't pick up their trash, so they they have to bring their trash in front of my house so the collection service can collect those bins. But the city, in some cases, 
uh, those neighbors, they bring bulky items, but, and then the trash leaves those bulky items behind. Then the city comes in and then tags me for the uh, for those bulky items, and then fining me. Oh, and you said they're not. But how does the city know they're not yours? Because uh, I tell them that. You tell them they're not yours. Boy, that's okay. So you think that's going to fly? Think about it for a moment. Uh, you you have a bunch of trash in the front of your yard, and you say, that's not mine. It's my neighbor's. And the city goes, oh, you know what? You're right, Henry. Uh, they're, even though it's in the, even though it's on your property, by the way, which neighbor? It's the left one. The left one. And what if, uh, okay, what if the left one says it's the right one's neighbor? What does the city well, that's, do? That's the problem. That, that, that when I went and appealed, they say it's not even in, in my yard. It's 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 in the uh, in front of the um, sidewalk. But is it in front of your house? It's in front of my house. All right, why don't you just move it back in front of the other guy's house? Because obviously someone is moving it to your house, so move it back. I'm tired of doing that. Okay, aren't they, and you don't think they're tired of doing that? But it's not my problem, though. I understand, but it is your problem. No. Because the it's, city is saying it's your problem. Yeah. And when the city it's, says it's your problem, guess whose problem it is? Well, see, when I went and appeal, they said that, by procedure, by day procedure, they had to tag the front of the house. Okay, what but the, you... But the front of the house is not... I'm not the front of the house. It's the neighbor. It's the other guy. No. The, wait a sec. You, the front of your house is the front of his house. No, no. The front of, of the cul-de-sac. The, my neighbor created a cul-de-sac. Called and did he, he created... What do you mean he created a cul-de-sac? He, he just yeah, sat he there. A, it was not a cul-de-sac until one day he brought in the tractors and he made a cul-de-sac? Correct. Just on his and own. He, put a, he, he, he built a bunch of houses. Oh, he's a developer. Correct. All right, why don't you get a video camera and a recording? Not that expensive. Okay. And uh, just show him doing it. Oh, it's, it's the people that he sold the, those. Uh, doesn't matter. Conflict. It doesn't matter. Why? Do, okay. So why is he responsible? Why is the developer responsible for the trash in front of your house if he's already sold the house? No, it's because he's he's still in, in the front of that complex. He's the front of that complex. Boy, I tell you, uh, you're making no sense to me at all. None. Uh, I hope it made sense to you. But I think the operative term here is the city is finding me, and it's not my problem. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Genevieve, there you go. Hi, Genevieve. Welcome. Thank you very much. Sure. Bill, I was a trustee for a deceased brother-in-law. He was a partner in a corporation. Okay, you were, I'm sorry, you were a trustee for I've deceased. i appointed trustee. Got it. Okay. Um, I've already gotten all the bank statements for the business. So I okay, wait a sec. That. There's a business and you are a trustee of his interest in the business, correct? Correct. correct. And, was, and was he a partner? Yes. Okay. Now, and has, a probate, that, has have... a probate been opened yet? No. Okay, so <laughs> you being a trustee really doesn't mean a whole lot because it's now in the name the the now it's in the estate of your uh, of the brother-in-law. Correct. Okay, so your question is: I'm supposed to evaluate the business. I already know the value of the house that you know he, he was part owner. Um, I've gotten the bank statements from the other partner, 
for the last two years, and I already know exactly what all the bills are, how they're paid. But there's been a ton of money paid out to credit cards, which I don't see why. It's a CO2 gas small business. I asked them for the credit card statement so I can see that those are legitimate business expenses. And he's been giving me the runaround. All right. If probate has been opened... Mm-hmm. Uh, all you do is ask the court because now you're in the jurisdiction of the court once probate is open and the court will order him to turn it over. Gosh, that'll take so long. Yeah, not necessarily. Things. Not necessarily. If you go in for an expedited uh, an expedited hearing because the allegation is going to be he's cleaning out the business. Correct. Then uh, there's no question that uh, the court's going to hear it and issue an order. I mean, right there. Uh, what's the value of this thing, by the way, Genevieve? Okay, he's got deposits already of a half a million. Okay, what's the value of the business? Well, that's what I'm trying to... What do you think? Give me a, give me a ballpark. Okay, I'd say, because I'm also a realtor, if he could get 100000 for it... The business? Be, what kind of business yeah. is it? It's a CO2 gas business. Okay, and how, much, and how much business does it do a year? Do you have any idea? Yes, the deposits come out to 30, 60, 90, about half a million. Total half a million, and you think yes. it's only worth $100,000 with half a million dollars in revenue. Yeah, the deposits are huge, but he pays certain companies. No, no obviously he does. I know. I understand yeah. there's always expenses to a business. Uh, do you have a lawyer? Do you have, do you have a lawyer on this? Yes. Okay. Uh, have you asked your lawyer about this? No. Why don't, don't you ask your lawyer about this? For, for two weeks, I don't have an appointment. Okay, then you want to do it. You have to, then, you have, then you need another lawyer. If your lawyer won't see you for two weeks and the allegation is uh, business partners cleaning out the account, throwing money on credit cards for which are being used for, we don't know, then you need a leather lawyer that can get into court immediately. So I'm telling you to go to your lawyer and say, I need it now. And if the lawyer doesn't, go to another lawyer and you need a lawyer that's aggressive unless the lawyer says, I really don't know the answer, call handle on Saturday then you have to go to another lawyer. Well, okay, there you are. There's the answer. Ta-da. Sandra. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Bill. Yes, um, ma'am. I am filing for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, and 80 to 85% of the debt was from my previous marriage. Now I'm an authorized user of my current husband's credit card, now, if I will file for Chapter 7, will he be affected? And if my creditor will go after him? No, only to the extent, no. He'll go after him only to the extent that uh, you charge on his credit card. Then they'll go after that money that's owed, but not anything that was previous to the marriage. How much okay. money are we talking about? Your total credit card debt. And that's, but is your husband paying the credit card? Oh, you're in the middle of a divorce, so he's not paying anymore, right? Um, he's paying the credit cards every month. Okay. So that's, uh, that'll stay, that'll, won't be discharged in the bankruptcy because he's still paying him and it says in his name. So he's the one that's going to be responsible for those. So your bankruptcy has nothing to do with him. Got it. Okay. All right. you. You got it. See, the trick is when you get divorced to have that happen. All right, right, Andrea. Hi there. Yes, Um, ma'am. So I'm a a renter of an apartment, a two-bedroom apartment, and there were some heavy rains a couple months ago. 
And uh, I came home on a Sunday afternoon, and my uh, two bedrooms were completely flooded. Uh, the carpets were totally soaked. So I uh, called the manager. I said, I told them what the situation was. Um, three other people on the same side of the building were also flooded. So there was a, it was there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. So I moved all the furniture out of my bedrooms into my uh, living living room. And the next day they were supposed to come by, uh, which they did. Um, they removed the padding um, under the carpets and they put a fan in one of the bedrooms. Um, I came back the next day. They moved the fan from one bedroom to another bedroom. I came back the next day. Uh, the closet uh, was still wet and they hadn't removed the padding. And just based on a history of uh, taking a long time to make repairs to the unit, I gave five days notice and I said, I'm moving out, um, which I did. And uh, then I get an invoice a month later for $900. Well, first of all, you don't pay it uh, because uh, he should have put you up at a hotel. That's for starters. And second of all, uh, here is the issue. It's a habitability issue. And you're going to argue that you should have been put up immediately. That, in fact, because of the mold, because of the the flooding, there's no way you could live there. Uh, And the fact that he didn't put you up, he's in breach. And the lease disappeared at that point. Uh, Any obligation disappeared from the moment this thing happened. And uh, so just tell him to go pound sand. I did do that. And he's going to take you to court. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I said, I said, if, that's, you know, if you don't respond, yeah, that's your def- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you said that, uh, uh, especially, well, it makes it even, it exacerbates his problems even more when you send him notice. Cause all he can uh, say, his only defense is, gee, I didn't know. Andrea never told me. And there you have your proof. I have emails back. Oh, you're fine. You're me. fine. Andrea, you'll win that one in small claims court. By myself or should yeah. I get an attorney? No, you don't need an attorney. No, no. You have, matter of fact, you can't take an attorney to small claims court. But the cost of moving, uh, all of that, uh, where are you staying now? I moved immediately. All right. I would hit him up for, I would countersue when he sues you for $900. Well, he hasn't sued me yet. I'm countersue. I counter, then, then just sue him. Okay. Then just turn around and sue him. You asked, you asked if I moved. What else would you tack on to the damages? Uh, anything you lost, your moving okay. expenses. Time I would argue time. Thing. Yeah, I would give time. Give yourself twenty bucks an hour. Hmm. You know that's reasonable. That's what you pay a sort of a mover. Yeah, just throw it all on there. Anything you can think of. Okay. Yeah, Thank I think you you, I think you'll win that one. I do. I do. This is handle on the law. Amy King in the KFI News Center. Hello, Amy. Hello, Bill. Today on the Mo Kelly Show, it's the aftermath of one of the busiest weeks on Capitol Hill, from the Comey hearings to the Gorsuch hearings to the Trump care battle to even the Devin Nunes dash to the White House. We'll cover it all. Also, Arkansas passes a law to finally allow guns at sports events. And Ohio passes a law finally to outlaw having sex with animals. Mo Kelly, tonight at 6, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI here. Handle on a Saturday morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Debbie, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello, Debbie. Yes, hi. Um, I'm calling because I have three dental offices and I have an employee who I recently found out was reimbursing himself by swiping his credit card 
on our credit card terminal and refunding himself money. He admitted to it, and he has subsequently been let go. But once I called our risk management um, insurance company, they told me I needed to report it to the police. I had the police come through the office, and then within the next couple of days, this is where the tricky part comes in. I'm assuming one of our employees, current employees, let him know. Um, He was our biller and our IT guy, and our um, practice software management wasn't working anymore the next morning. And also, we're a big um, community service where we do Medi-Cal for the community, and our eligibility website to Medi-Cal was blocked. Um, There was no way for us to get into it, and we had another IT guy come out to check, and he said definitely someone hacked into the system and blocked it. Okay, how much money are we talking about in the first first instance? Well, what the credit card company said was $185. Okay, so $185 was uh, what he fraudulently reimbursed himself for. Is that correct? Supposedly, he oh. admits to six hundred and nine. Yeah, but that's all small potatoes. That's nothing. If that's the only right. issue, you put that aside. I mean, right. thank goodness. The big issue is the hacking. Uh, were you able to unhack the hack? Were you able to bring everything back? Right now, yes. Okay, and how long were you out? Uh, two days. Okay, and how much did it cost you to unhack the hack? Well, we were able to use a hotspot and log in, you know, another way. I understand. So, uh, and were you able to were you able to fix uh, the intrusion? Were you able to say, okay, it's done. There's no issue. Yes, right now, yes. All right. So, what? You don't know what else. All right. Okay. Well, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, you can't do anything if you don't know. So, what is your question? Um, Where should we go from here? Should we? Get a restraining order on him? No, or? you leave it alone. You're done. It costs you 185 or $600. You're all back to square one. Uh, whatever it costs you to, uh, I don't know what it costs you to go back to square one, but if it's only, let's say, $1,000, $2,000 or less than that, all right, he's done. You're finished. You're not protecting yourself. He's out of your life. Goodbye. Okay. Yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, you wait, for a couple thousand dollars, what are you going to do? File lawsuits, go after him. Restraining order is going to cost you more than that to get a restraining order. Okay, perfect. All right. Boy, I thought there was going to be he embezzled, and there was how much? $185. I don't even, that wasn't even worth the phone call. This is Handle on the Law. AM uh, 640 on a uh, Saturday morning. And we've got two more hours to go on uh, the legal show. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. Lines open. few of them, which generally happens at the top of the hour. How many times have I said that over the course of all those years? If I had a nickel for every time I said that, I'd have about $85. Is that about right? Be one wealthy man, right? Okay. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. 
where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, a case out of Florida in which there was a case. And this is an example of, uh, this is a clever lawyer. When the law is totally against you, you get a good lawyer. Well, you get a good lawyer anyway, no matter what. But you get a good lawyer who then tries to figure out how to move through the loopholes if there are any loopholes. Or much like a rat going through a hole the size of a quarter. Have you ever seen what those rats can do? The mice. I mean, we rat-proofed our house a few years ago. And there's one little tiny area that opened up. Rats. So that's what lawyers do, is they squeeze through these little openings. So this was a case that went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court. A man was charged with a third-degree felony for failing to reveal to his male sexual partner that he was HIV positive. The lawyer argued that the law was so narrowly defined that sexual intercourse did not apply to sexual activity between same-sex partners or any activity beyond traditional sex, which I'm assuming, if you're fairly religious, the missionary position with all of your clothes on and the lights off. Other than that, you are engaging in non-traditional, perverted, depraved sex. And there was an argument, because look at the law, the way it's written. HIV, someone who is HIV positive, certainly if straight, has sexual intercourse and transmits HIV uh, and it becomes a third degree felony for failing to inform the other partner. So normally, let me tell you what courts normally do, is they interpret laws narrowly. For example, when interpreting a statute that lists everything you can or cannot do in terms of in order to comply with this statute, you must do A, B, C, D, and E. If F is left out, then it was intended to be left out. The same thing the other way. If uh, a felony is defined as someone who does this, 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 and that, then if there is something that makes all the sense in the world but was left out until they change the law, that does not, that, particular issue does not become a crime that activity is not a crime so here's what this lawyer argued because the florida laws were so narrowly defined that sexual intercourse is only between men and women and the court it went to the florida supreme court said come on really are you actually arguing that two guys stooping each other is not sexual intercourse But, Your Honor, look at the law. So in a case that courts normally don't go to is they then interpret the intent of the law. And that's going a long ways because usually when laws are vague, they just fall. But occasionally the court will go and say, let's look at the intent Of what this means. What did the legislature mean to do? And they have a hard time with that. Because they have to put themselves into the minds of the legislators. But in this case. The legislator's goal according to the court. 
was clearly to reduce the spread of HIV when it enacted the law, even if it didn't clearly spell out what it meant by sexual intercourse. So they don't even have to change the law. Because it had gone the other way. The legislatures then have to rule. Uh, okay, sexual intercourse is any sexual activity by which HIV can be transmitted uh, between uh, any male, female, animal, vegetable, mineral, it doesn't matter. Okay, makes sense to me. All right, some phone calls. Uh, Bill, we start with you. Hello, welcome to Handle on the Law, Bill. Hey, so I'm uh, I'm out on the uh, my, my uh, dirt bikes, and I take a really bad spill. And uh, I wasn't seriously hurt, but I had a lot of deep tissue bruising, uh, some limited movement, so I was in pretty bad shape. So I'm seeing a therapist a uh, couple weeks now, and, and um this, I'm at the light. I'm in this big uh, 2005 Toyota. It's just kind of high. And this little car hits me, jolts me. I can feel the uh, impact immediately. I mean, I can feel the effects immediately. I started tightening up, a headache. So we pull over. And uh, I go to a lawyer, and they say because my car wasn't, because I was already hurt from the spill, and because uh, my car wasn't that damaged, that he wouldn't take the case because he don't think I can win because there's some type of scale they go by or something. It's scoring how much the car is damaged and stuff, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's not a, it's not an absolute. It's not a number scale, but they sure look at it. And the less the damage that occurs, the less the injury is, is the way they work. Big damages are equivalent to big injuries, and small damages are small injuries. Unless there is uh, broken bones, surgery, neuro problems. Uh, was it all soft tissue injury that uh, occurred to you? Yes. Okay, so there's no broken bones or anything. It's just all soft tissue, which, incidentally, I'm not disagreeing or I'm not believing every word of it. So what is your question? Uh, my question is, well, you answered really. You said that there was a skill that's not absolute. Yeah, the point is no lawyer is going to touch it. Okay. And the, the the reason is, and uh, first of all, uh, if you have a previous injury, instantly the insurance company of the other of the person that hit you is going to argue that uh, it uh, most of the injury happened before on the dirt bike accident. And your lawyer or you are arguing, no, it exasper- exacerbated the injury. So now ninety percent of the injury is because of this. Okay, there's a fight just on that one. And that's the problem you're going to have. Also, small car hitting you, small damage, you're screwed. Okay, you have no case. All right, Bob. Hello, Bob. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Love your show. Uh, Of course you do. uh, Yes. uh, Okay, Uh, my uh, question is, um, we are in Asco to buy a liquor store. The name of the liquor store was 2M Liquor. And the seller in the beginning told us that he has a copyright on this name, so we cannot use that. But we, we went to the DBA and we changed the name to 2M Liquor uh, to 2M Liquor Store. And the sellers uh, still say that we, we cannot use that name because it's uh, almost same. So do, can we use that? No, name? you can't use it. It's just, all right, let's say you have uh, A and B Liquor. Right, but I want uh, to register A and B liquor store. It's the same okay. thing. The same thing. It's the okay. same thing. There's no difference. But do you do you do you think? I mean, uh, can he have copyright on DBNN? 
No, probably not. Well, I, I don't know. You're talking, let's not do specifics here. So can you have a copyright on A, B, and C? Uh, who the hell knows? I mean, you can try. I don't think you can have a copyright on letters. I really don't. Okay. D and M, A and B. Okay. Yeah, so my brother My brother has a company uh, that is uh, – ne- never mind. Oh, you know what? Here's one that I don't know if I can copyright the name – uh, my wife and I own a piece of property. Okay. And uh, we're, one of the things that I always tell people to do is one of the safeguards is to put every property in a different name. Actually, a limited liability company is one of the ways. It's, uh, there are reasons for and against, but we did it in this piece of property. And it's N-O-Y-B is the okay. name of uh, our limited liability company, standing for none of your business. Because I'm not particularly interested in anybody knowing it's none of your business. And so uh, can I copyright N-O-Y-B? Maybe. But I don't think so. Why don't you call it Bob's Liquor? Okay. Yeah, I I mean, it's your liquor store. Where are you from, by the way, Bob? Uh, What do you think? Can you guess? Uh, I'm from America. You're from America. Yeah. Uh, You sound it's a very heavy American accent you have. Uh, right, yeah. I'm very bad at. Uh, at we're, we're, we're in LA, the 132. Yeah, right? no, I, I get it. You don't have to give me the address. But where where originally did you come from, Bob? Well, that's what I'm saying. Can you guess? And then I can tell you. Uh, no, I can't guess. I don't know. Armenia. India. I don't know. Kazakhstan. Uh, Tierra India. del Fuego. India. India. Oh, I would have guessed that. You see? Okay. That was be my next right, one so, after Tierra so, del Fuego. So, so Bob, why don't you. Saying? I got an idea. Why don't you call it Indian Bob's? Okay. Uh, in a liquor store. Well, I, I believe you. I mean, uh, that's no. what I would do. Or maybe even better, Dot Indian, not Feather Indian Bob's liquor store. No, but, but your answer is we can't keep. Uh, I don't think liquor. so. I don't think so. Uh, but you can, yeah. what are you going to take my advice? There we go. It's, gonna, it's something that he's going to make his living at for the, rest of the, for the rest of his life, and he calls me. Okay. God bless you, all of you. God bless us all, said Tiny Tim. This is Handle on the Law. Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. There was a time when smart house technology was only for the very wealthy. Now it's within everyone's reach. Right, Siri? Yes, that's right, Dean. Oh, you're making my circuits tingle, you big handsome stud. Siri, control yourself. Smart houses for everyone. This week on Home. Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, tomorrow morning at 10 on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock. More Handel on the law, marginal legal advice. All right, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, good morning. I live in an apartment. I've been in for about three months. And when I use my shower and or my washing machine, there is a sickening ammonia smell that comes out. Um, I've complained to the leasing manager a few times, and they've put an ion machine in to try to, I guess, clean the air. They've replaced the flooring in the bathroom because uh, we were wondering if maybe the previous tenants had a cat and there was a urine issue. 
but we haven't been able to figure out what yeah. it is. And I've well, asked if I can if I can move units. I mean, what is their responsibility? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Like First of all, as soon as you said uh, you're an issue, I'm immediately thinking, uh, you know, my house uh, has the same issue, and we don't have pets. And uh, foul odor emanating from the bathroom. Yeah, I've right. been there. Yeah. My wife always, uh, when I leave the bathroom, says that an animal die in there. Is that the problem, Bill? So uh, I sort of get that. But uh, what you have, I would argue, is a habitability issue. And right. they, they have to make it work. And you tell the landlord, you've got to make this thing work. We can't live with this smell. And okay. it, it's either that or you're paying me to move. It's not okay. that complicated. And if they literally have to tear that bathroom up... Uh-huh. And put you in a uh, another place to live. Now, is that a one bedroom apartment or is it two? It's a one bedroom. I mean, is it a one bathroom apartment? Uh, no, no, it's a one ba- one bathroom apartment. Um, so if you can't yeah. use if you can't use the bathroom, then they have to put you up because you should not be able. You should not have to live like that. Okay. So it's okay. a question of it's a habitability issue, and say you either fix it. Or I'm out of here, and I'm going to sue you for all the damages, moving, etc. All right, Sue. Hello, Sue. Hi, Bill. Uh, my brother died nine years ago, and he left some acreage up north to my mother. She sold it to his best buddy. He has stopped payment on it as of the first of this month. What do you mean she sold it? Uh, she sold it on a contract? He didn't. He didn't finance it. Financed it. She financed it. He didn't go out and get a loan to buy it, did he? Uh, he, yeah, yes, he did. He paid her uh, tri-monthly payments. Okay, he, until. wait a sec, I don't understand. If he financed it and bought it, she's been paid. No, I'm sorry. No, he's, because of the relationship, because he was my brother's best oh, friend. Oh, I see. Okay, so uh, yeah, she sold it to him and is uh-huh. able to make payments. Who's right. on, who's on deed? Did she transfer the deed? Not yet. Oh, so she's all right. So she still owns it. Yeah. Okay. Then have her just sell it to someone. He has nothing to do with it. She can just go and sell it. Sure, and just uh, let him know that either he makes up the payments, or he is, or he's in breach of the contract. The land sale contract is what it is. He's in breach, and uh, you've got X number of days to come up with a payment. And if not, I'm going to sell the property uh, to someone else, and you're out of luck. Now, I'm assuming there was a fairly sophisticated contract involved. Yeah. It wasn't just on yeah. a... Our All attorney right. did it, yeah. Oh, yeah, then you'll see it. Then you'll see uh, the uh, the clause that says uh, you have... If you're in default and you're told you have X number of days or weeks to make it current, and then we have to notify you, and there's all kinds of regulations. But the bottom line is if he doesn't pay and make it current, he's out of luck. Oh, great. Yeah, she's, it. yeah she's fine. How much are we talking about value of the property? Uh, there's probably about 150000 left on it. And how much has he paid? The full value was, uh, um, I'm sorry, 200027 200, something like that. And he paid how much on it? He's paid about half. Oh, <laughs> he's going to lose all the money that he paid? That is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. But you want to talk to the lawyer who drafted it. Because there may be a situation where if it is sold, he's entitled to some money or... Uh, the amount that he put in minus what's being uh, gotten or what's being sold for. Just look at the terms. But the bottom line is, uh, on a land contract sale, uh, you better make the payments because it's at the end of the payment period that the property transfers. So 
Be really careful on those. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Amy in the KFI Newsroom. Enter now for your chance to win and see the king of country music, George Strait, in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena, Saturday, April 8th, plus a two-night stay at the Monte Carlo. For more information, log on to KFIAM640.com, keyword contest. Brought to you by my friends at Mountain View Chevy of Upland, where you can save $12,000 on all new 2017 Silverado half-ton crew cabs. Go to MTVChevy.com for more details. KFI AM640 and iHeartRadio station. KFI AM640, Bill Handel here. Saturday, March 25. Back we go. More Handel on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Aaron. Hello. Hey. Um, so about um, six months ago, my brother got into a car accident. Um, he rear-ended the lady going 35 miles an hour. Um, they got pictures and everything. The only problem is he didn't have car insurance at the time. There was like a lapse in payment or something that he didn't have insurance. Anyway, so he sold it. He sold it with the lady. She did. Uh, she went to the to a repair shop. It was about thousand dollars worth of damages. Got it taken care of. It's done and getting gone. All right, you're talking about. Uh, he. I'm sorry. I'm a little confused. I was watching something. Uh, see, that's how much I care about your case. Did uh, did was it a thousand dollars he paid for his car or the other car? For her car. For her car. Got it. All right. So she pretty much she just had to replace her bumper. So um, anyway, so about two three weeks ago, he gets a call from her insurance claim adjuster and tells him that she has accrued up to seven thousand dollars to bodily injury. Is that something he should just wait for them to take him to small claims court for, or uh, is that something he should do? Uh, they could theoretically take him to small claims court. They may even sue him for more. Uh, take him to superior court for. Uh seven thousand dollars because uh insurance companies don't go to small claims court but when he wrote her a thousand dollar check i'm assuming that he didn't get a release from her correct that's a good question i don't think he did right so now we have him uh two out of the three on the idiot level uh first of all for not driving with insurance or driving without insurance which is insane insane to do you're out of your mind in doing that and number two, writing a check to someone without getting a liability waiver, saying, okay, you take $1,000, you're done. That's it. You waive all liabilities. So uh, it's, yeah, there isn't a whole lot you can do. So is there anybody that, should he hire somebody to um, look into the, the injuries that she's claiming she, she uh, accrued? I don't even know what that means. What do you mean hire someone to look into the injuries? How is someone going to look into the injuries? Well, I know that if you have if you have insurance, you have your adjusters look into that kind of a thing. Right, but he doesn't. But there's no insurance company here, so he's going to okay. hire someone and it's going to ask for her medical records. Okay, I mean yeah, uh, I that's right. that's crazy. And then who's going to and who then is going to evaluate those medical records? Mm. Is he going to evaluate the medical records? Yeah, you're right. And since there's soft tissue injuries, is he going to say she doesn't hurt that much? So, right. uh, no, you know what? It's not two out of three on an idiot level. It's actually three out of three. <laughs> Congratulate him, okay, for me. Kaylor, is that right? Kaylor? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. C-A-Y-L-O-R? I've never heard that before. Yeah. That's like Taylor, but uh, someone put in a C by mistake? 
No, it's Taylor. Taylor. Oh, it is Taylor. Okay, got it. My screener is a little deaf. That's all. I was wondering about that. Okay, let's move on. Okay, my question is, well, I have checked my credit score, and it seems that um, somebody has taken out two loans for a big amount of money, for one for a home loan and one for a car loan, and I don't own either. So oh, so it was, it's identity go. theft. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the first thing you do is call the credit reporting agency and say that this is identity theft. And they'll send you all kinds of forms, and then you start to work. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a little while to get yourself out of it, Taylor. I mean, you will, uh, but and and fraud was involved. I mean, there's no issue uh, that is yeah. a, this is criminal, and someone forged names and forged because um, that, it's that's not easy to do. Get home loans, so uh, yeah. you'll you'll get it straightened out. But you just have to start to work, and it's a mess. Which is why I'm a big fan of those credit uh, protection folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I do commercials for one of them. I've been a customer of theirs for a long time, and uh, my daughter and all four of us are uh, because and I, I feel like I'm doing the commercial. Every one of us is susceptible. Uh, but someone tried to do that a couple of years ago to my daughter Barbara, and literally got credit in her name, and it was shut down. But it wow. uh, it could have been a mess. So two yeah. things. Uh, thing number one is uh, you you have to go to work and start working with uh, you the agency, uh, that is a credit reporting agency, and the lender who loaned the money because someone's sending you a bill. Yeah. Or someone has a bill uh, that your, has someone your name has on it. I haven't seen it. Well, it's, you, you want to find out. Well, you, have, you, you have on your credit report that shows that you have a loan. It'll say which company is on it. Yeah. Pull your credit report, okay. see the company, see the lender, Call them up and go, this is identity fraud. And just follow their instructions. And it may take you weeks, if uh, not months, to uh, do this. All right, Dave. Hi, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, hi. Hey, I've got a question. I wonder if there's any legal repercussion or anything wrong with putting in the memo uh, the uh, compartment, the little memo part on the check, if you pay somebody and you disagree with it, but you're paying it anyways, if you write like scumbags or a-hole or something like that. Um, Is there any legal? No, there's no legal repercussion other than you may argue that it's, or the person may argue that it is, uh, that it's some kind of slander, but uh, you know, I mean, you're publishing, what are they going to do? Sue you? Because you put... Well, uh, well, I don't necessarily mean being sued, but can they, like, uh, not take the check? Oh, no, they'll take the check. You know, they, nothing, no, they'll take the check. Just, you, can put any, you can put anything in the memo section. They don't care. Oh, uh, okay, because, you know, like when you're paying a bill or something that you just totally disagree yeah, with... Yeah, well, then don't pay it. Well, well, you don't want to get your credit dings. Then so. why, so why differ, what difference does it make? I mean, does it make you feel better? Yeah. All right. Then go ahead and do it. Yeah. You know, like put your. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't make. Okay. You. Yeah. You'll show them. Yeah. All right. They go to the bank. They deposit it. They never see the check again. They don't bother. Probably not. Okay. So yeah. Go ahead and do it. Make yourself feel better. You know, you can take a bullhorn and go on the street corner and uh, start screaming. Sure. If it makes you feel better, who cares? Susan. Hello, Susan. I was made a beneficiary in a will back in November, and everything was moving along just fine. But then I was contacted by someone who had personal possessions that were in the home office, 
of the person who is deceased, he's con- she's contacted the executor, and the executor said, don't worry, we'll take care of it, we'll get the items back to you. And then she just got a letter saying, we don't know who you are, we've never heard of these items before, we're not returning anything to anyone. So as a beneficiary, I understand that I'm allowed to contest the will on the grounds of fraud or theft. Yeah, where's the and, fraud? Well, you're allowed to contest the will on the on the grounds of uh, fraud and theft relating to the executor, not someone who came in and took some goods, not knowing who they are and not knowing what was taken out. The executor is the one who's, who has taken the items and isn't returning. Oh, you're saying the, okay, got it. The executor has taken the items. Uh, No, you don't want to contest the will, especially if you're a beneficiary. You just want to go after the executor. Sue the executor. Okay, so the woman who has the power of attorney. There's no power of attorney when you talk about a will. Okay. It's either an executor or it's not an executor. Powers of attorney die with, uh, with people dying. That's gone. And is there any kind of an L.A. criminal code? Yeah, it's embezzlement. Sure, but no one's going to touch it. No, 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 the police aren't going to touch it. They don't care. They don't give a damn. How much, what's the value of this stuff? Probably about $100,000. Maybe, maybe, but it's still, uh, they're going to argue the exact, it's a civil, what they're going to say, it's a civil action. I mean, you can try, you can call the police, but I'd get a lawyer. Now, do you know exactly what was taken? Yes. And you can prove that uh, the executor took it? Yes. And how do you prove that? The executor and his wife were the only people that were in the home. All and right. they're the ones that they moved the contents to New Jersey. All right. Then you, I would get a lawyer and I would start suing the executor for breach of fiduciary duty. And what type of lawyer handles this? I would thing? do a state, a, a trust and a state lawyer probably. Okay. All right. You can go to the website. You can go to handleonthelaw.com. We've got tons of them. And uh, just talk to one of those lawyers. Why not? This is Handle on the Law. And Amy King in the KFI newsroom has some news. On the next dark secret place, American Special Forces dudes have parachuted in a big way into Syria, just west of ISIS, capital of Raqqa. You haven't heard about it because, well, it's kind of a busy news week. The Dark Secret Place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Somebody, somebody, somebody coming over my eyes. KFI AM 640 handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Hello, Matt. Welcome to the show. Matt, are you there? Matt? Okay. John! There you are. Hello, John! Hey, Bill. Yes. My, my father passed away a year ago and had a credit card balance of $12,000. Shortly after he passed, my mom went in and uh, let the bank know he was deceased and all that stuff, gave him a uh, death certificate. And now... Um, they're going after her for the balance. Yeah, well, it, was her name on it? No, she had a card to it, but it wasn't her name on Right, and how long were they married? Oh, short of 60. All right, so they were both responsible. They can go after her. 
They can. Sure, because it was all, uh, when he applied for it, they looked community property. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, when you're married that long, it's it, no one has any separate property anymore, and they're both responsible for everything. Uh, how much money are we talking about on the car, John? 12K. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, a lo- it's not a small amount of money, but it's not going to change her life, is it? Unless she's going to live in a dumpster. Is she living no, on? No. Is she living on Social Security and that's it? Security and a pension, and some right, so she's got. So uh, cut a deal with a credit card company. My husband's dead. I'll give you fifty cents on the dollar. Let me pay three hundred dollars a month. Cut a deal, but they can't go after her. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Uh, hello, Sharon. Yes. Hi. While I was in the hospital last year, I was giving a, uh, given a sleep medication while I was in the TV room. When I got up to go to my room, I passed out, landing on the back of my head. I had to have a CAT scan and 11 staples um, to the back of my head, and I've been under a doctor's care ever since. I have pain 24-7. I've called two malpractice attorneys, and they said it wasn't worth their while. Mm, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. How old are you? I'm 75. Yeah, the problem is you're probably going to die by the time this thing gets to court, you know? Uh, yeah. It's try- I, I wish you were 55, but then again, you wish you were 55. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, here's the problem. It's, well, you know, that's not true. If well, you, I didn't even tell them my age. They no, I know. I don't care. I mean, I'm just, I'm pulling your leg here. Yeah. But, uh, in terms of the injury, if you are seeing someone and you have, uh, lifelong injuries, a chronic injury, there should be a case there, uh, especially as there, there's no issue as to the sleeping medication they gave you. And I mean, that's all, uh, easily provable, right? Right. Okay. Right. So you take a fall, 12 stitches in your head. Yeah, I don't know what that's worth. You know, it's worth 12 stitches in your head. It's not fun, but, it's, you know, that's not millions of dollars. And there's no right. and no attorney's going to take it. I'm more interested in the long-term right. medical issues. And you're saying you have intense pain? Yeah, in my head and down both sides of my neck. Ooh, and what did the MRI show? The MRI or the CAT didn't scan. show anything, and the CAT scan didn't show anything. All right, so that's all soft tissue. Yeah. So now it's uh, effectively it's in your head in a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see why a medical malpractice attorney wasn't going to take it because it's your word. There's nothing discernible. There's no hard evidence. Mm-hmm. It's uh, she claims that she is hurting and wants money. Right. You see the problem there? Yeah. So you have to keep on going with a medical mal, but I, you know, I don't know where you're going to go with that. I really don't. I mean, it's really tough when you have legitimate injuries, which you do based Uh on what you say, Uh and it's uh, going to be, you know, a pain in the head for the, you know, I guess rest of your life. This thing doesn't go away and you can't really prove any of that other than to say it hurts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're stuck between a rock and the floor when you fell down. Um, if I turn this over to, like, my health insurance company because they've asked me about it because they paid a claim on it, would would they go in and represent me? No, no, absolutely uh, not. This okay. is a, No, no, this is a personal injury. They don't touch that, unfortunately. Uh, not at all. All right, we're waiting for uh, Donna. Is she up or do I just start talking uh, about another case? Oh, okay. Here we, uh, would you, Mike, she is ready. All right. Well, I'm not seeing this on the screen. Hello, Donna, are you there? I'm here. Oh, there you go. All right, Donna, what can I do for you? Okay, I live in a small town, and I received a letter yesterday from the city that they had surveyed several properties on our street and that my legal line needs to be relocated five feet up 
toward my house. They're going to take five feet of my property to put in a storm drain. Can they do that? They can. It's not a question of the legal line has to be redone. It's a question of an easement they're taking. They're not yes. taking away five uh, feet of your property. They're going to use five feet of your property. I see. And uh, so can you fight that? Uh, yeah, because you're going to argue maybe it's eminent domain, but are they digging under the property? They're going to take down our fences, uh, and they said they will relocate yeah. those fences for us at no charge. Well, but, thank you for them. Now, how, how big a deal is it? Uh, how big is your property, that five uh, feet uh, on the back the of your property? The front pro- yard is 36 feet from in front of my house. And they're doing it on the front yard? The front yard, It's, yes. a, it's you, tell, you have a fence in the front yard? Yes. Huh. Yes. I live in a small town here in uh, Southern California, and yeah, I have a, we all have fences. In our yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, and they're not doing this by eminent domain. They're just doing this, hey, we're going to take five feet of your yard, and that's it? They're just arbitrarily doing it? That's correct. Uh, that's yeah. I, doesn't smell right to me. Something Something's up with that, uh, unless there's some kind of ordinance uh, in town, and you you have to look at a. Uh, I would talk about a land use attorney just to buy an hour uh, and see what happens because you know I don't know. Enough, yeah, land use, L A N D, and then separate mm-hmm. word use. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Y O U S E use. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, and um, yeah, because that doesn't smell right, but uh, it's uh, it's possible they do that. I just yeah, you know. It's one of those things where they just can't, they can take away property, eminent domain, certainly easements, but easements are usually transfer with the property. They're in uh, the it's part of the deed. So I don't know. It's uh, it's a weird one for me. This is handle on the law. This is KFI AM 640. Bill Handel on a uh, Saturday morning. And as usual, every Saturday from 6 to 11, uh, it's this show. Followed by Leo Laporte, the tech show. That's 11 to 2 this afternoon. Uh, it's uh, Neil Saavedra. I, boy, Neil's going to kill me that I almost forgot his name. Neil Saavedra with uh, the food show, the Fork Report. And then tonight, uh, 6 o'clock, Mo Kelly from 6 to 8. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits. From eight, uh, from ten to midnight, uh, right here, and then tomorrow morning, Elizabeth Espinosa starting at five, and that's till seven o'clock, and then it is uh, Jesus who uh, comes aboard, walks across your swimming pool, and does all this stuff that he wants to do. By the way, that was a great movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. Do you know that came from that? It was uh, the song. Never mind. Okay. Uh, I'm talking to Mike, and he's just nodding as if I care. You know, he's going. He gives me the look. Uh, what do I care, Bill? All right. This is handle on the law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case. Uh, this is an appeals court decision, the Fourth Circuit out of uh, Richmond, Virginia, and this is where the gun lobby is going to go berserk, and that is the Fourth Circuit court ruled that AR-15s and other assault weapons with large magazines are not protected by the Second Amendment and can be banned. 
And the argument is, what is an assault weapon? That's a general term. What happens if you have a gun that looks like an assault weapon and shoots one bullet at a time? Is that an assault weapon? What if it shoots 22 caliber bullets? Is that an assault weapon? Well, here's what they said. And it actually makes sense in terms of defining what a, an assault rifle is that can, in fact, be banned lawfully. An assault rifle designed for the battlefield. And there it is. And it's become a windfall for the gun industry. We know that. And unfortunately, it's been very common in mass shootings. So they upheld a Maryland prohibition, Fourth Circuit, of assault with uh, weapons. And and I'm talking about really clear, uh, real clear writing. The banned assault weapons and large capacity magazines are not constitutionally protected. Okay. It was a 10 to 4 ruling on in the appeals court. It, this one goes a little further because it addresses the, the, the AR-15 by name and even traces the pedigree from the M-16 rifle from the military and uh, comes down even based on the Heller decision. Supreme Court's Heller decision uh, which was written by Justice Antonin Scalia, who is, of course, completely dead. And uh, the Heller Court said that weapons that are most useful in the military service may be banned. This is the one, I think it was out of Detroit, in which the court held that uh, handguns can be cannot be banned, if they're, especially if they're used at homes. You cannot ban handguns because they are uh, protected. Under the Second Amendment. Doesn't go that far when it comes to uh, assault weapons. All right. Just wanted to share that with you. We'll see where that one goes. Do you think that one's going to go to the Supreme Court? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? All right. Let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Robert. Robert, go ahead. Hey, uh, yeah. Generic question here I had. Well, um, there was an incident that happened maybe about two years ago now where I worked for one employer and then I had uh, parked my car outside. And then I noticed that this car parked a little bit too close. I went outside, took a look. Sure enough, he hit my, my car, my bumper, my uh by the wheel. So I initially started taking pictures. I took pictures of my damage, his damage on his truck. Um, shortly I waited. He ended up working at a bar down from where I work and we traded information. So I got his ID and everything. Short story is I've been um, recently got a new job since then and I've been trying to communicate with him back and forth. Right, how much, how much damage. Robert, how much uh, is going to cost to fix it? Um, you know what? I've taken it one place. It says about $500. $500. Okay. Uh, you want to yeah. take it to a couple of places and just sue them in small claims court, Robert. It's not that complicated. Well, so what's the statute of limitations on it? Oh, though? you have a couple, three years. You're you're okay. About three years. Okay. Yeah. And then all I need to do is just t- take his info over to the courts? Yeah. No, you have That's... to serve him. I mean, you have uh-huh. to file a lawsuit. You have to go to the court. Actually, you can probably do it online and then have him serve. You have to give uh, the marshal whatever amount of money they charge and they have him served. Then you get a court date. And you can look up all the rules of small claims. It's really easy. Uh, Mitch. Yeah. Yes, sir. I wanted to know, uh, how can my employer change my status from salary to hourly while reducing my pay and vacation time? Well, uh, if you've already earned your vacation time, you earned it. But he can change he can change your job description. And he has every right to go, you're no longer on salary, you're now on hourly. They have a right to do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not. 
It's not according to some new California. No, 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 no. He has a right to do that. Uh, your employer, it just what he can't do is screw you out of vacation pay. Can't screw you out of uh, any benefits up to that point. But he can certainly say, you know what, we've changed the job. And I'll tell you what, we're going to move you to an hourly instead of a a paid position, a salary position, and here you go. And if you don't like it, you can always quit. They have the right to do that. I do that to my staff all of the time. Whatever saves me money, hourly, salary, salary, hourly, whatever works out for me, and I pay the least, that's what they get. And then they quit. Well, actually, they don't quit because they don't have jobs out there, and I threaten to call them. You know what? Let me just leave it at that. Hi, Tina. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Hi. Yes. Um, I attempted to sue someone for messing up my car. Um, went to court and everything. Found out that they had filed bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, is there anything that I can do? Sure. Sure. Uh, do you have the bankruptcy documents with you? Have you received them yet? No, she okay. filed. Okay, no, I understand. Can. But you're a debtor, so you are going to get documents that list you as a debtor. Okay, okay yeah. that I never received. Okay, you will. You will. Uh, they have to. Otherwise, you're, they haven't discharged you in bankruptcy. So I guarantee that you will receive those documents listing you as, I'm sorry, as a creditor, not as a debtor, uh, that... Uh, that she owes you money or he owes you money and has filed for bankruptcy. Once you get those documents, I want you to uh, uh, take a pair of scissors and cut them up in about four-inch squares and put them right next to your toilet paper roll just in case you run out of toilet paper, okay? (laughs) Okay. This is Handle on the Law. Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Hello, Amy. Coming up today on The Fork Report, Chef Jeff Tila from the Food Network stops by to talk Thai food and the SoCal food scene. Dustin Bartz from Bartz Barbecue talks Central Texas-style barbecue and his pop-up barbecue catering business. Also, you'll learn about the craziest food vending machines ever. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. By AM 640, more stimulating talk with Handle on a Saturday morning. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Mark! Hello, Mark. Suing a foreign corporation doing business in California. They're not with the Secretary of State. Where do I go from here? Ah, well, uh, yes, yeah, so they're not, so they don't have a. a agent for service of process, and they haven't uh, been registered. Well, I mean, you could sue them, but uh, now what do you do? Uh, you're going to go to court? Now what are you going to do? Uh, it's it's tough. And what you do is you have a corporation, I guess, that's not doing business legally if they haven't filed with the Secretary of State. It, 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 you know it's a corporation. Actually, it's an LLC. Uh, and, um, well, that doesn't have to... I don't think that has to be filed with the uh, Secretary of State. I don't think so. Uh, but... You can go ahead and file the lawsuit with the uh, the office there and maybe even get a judgment, uh, but where are you going to collect? Oh. I mean, think about it. How much uh, money does this corporation owe you? $1,100. Uh, you can try small claims court, uh, but uh, you're going to sue them at the office, and they have uh, an office uh, near you, right? 
well, what they are is they're a bedding company with Bed Bath & Beyond. All right. And so... Health products I, through Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't understand. They're, uh, it's, so is it Beth Bath & Beyond that, that, sir, that sold this to you? Was it through one of their stores? It is Bed Bath & Beyond that sold me a defective product. Oh, then you just sue Bed Bath & Beyond. You don't have to worry about the foreign corporation. You go right to uh, the store and sue oh. them. Oh, I thought you had to also sue no, the No, no, no. You can sue the store. They're responsible. It's an agency issue. Absolutely sue the store. You'll be fine. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, that's an illegal. I mean, that's, uh, an itch- that's an easy one is what I wanted to say. Hello, Robert. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's get to this handle. I'm like you. I have a... Uh... My mom died six months ago, and uh, two months before she died, uh, her friend and neighbor died. They lived right next door to each other in a manufactured home. He left her everything to her in a holographic will, and then I found her will. She left everything to me. So I got a lawyer on the thing in the probate, and the probate has all been approved by the courts, but uh, the lawyer didn't give me a uh, specific reason why there's a mandatory waiting period before I get everything. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think it's a statutory issue. So what, 120 days, if I'm not mistaken? Isn't that it? Uh, well, they, this is the thing, uh, Bill. They said, well, it's going to be at least four months, but right. it could take a year. Well, okay. So it's uh, maybe it's just uh, the courts just take that long to deal with it. But so what? What do you care? Well, no, I, I don't care. It's going to happen. But my point is, is that a legal thing? There's a waiting period after the court? Yeah, I think so. Good? Yes, I think so. There are plenty of waiting periods and, uh, uh, with a lot of different uh, issues involved. You know, divorce, six months. Uh, when a uh, an interlocutory decree is uh, uh, is decided by the court or it's uh, filed, uh, you know what? You wait six months. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You're fine as long as you get all the money. How much money are you getting with all this? Uh, it's going to be close to half a million. But this is the question here. Uh, I'm thinking legally for the legal aspect. If there's a mandatory waiting period, shouldn't there be a specific time frame? No, not necessarily. And even if there is a uh, specific time frame. Uh, the courts are, are slow. I mean, it could just fall through the cracks. Yeah. You know, even the, uh, let me tell you time frame, which is the the most important time frame that exists constitutionally. And okay. that is you're entitled to a speedy trial. Right. I mean, that you can't get more protected and more important than a speedy trial. Right. right. So yeah. that's been determined to be, I don't know, six months or whatever the statute says. You know what the courts do? They call the trial and continue it right there and then hold it off another five months, six months next year. That's what they do. So if they're going to slow that up, Robert, they're sure as hell not going to pay much attention to you and your half a million dollars based on a manufactured home. You'll get it. It'll happen, Robert. It'll happen. Just relax. Uh, don't buy the cocaine yet. Uh, just hang out. All right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one more quick thing. Uh, yeah, that's all been approved, and uh, again, I know... All right, you're fine. Just hang, just wait. All right, so what else? All right, right Andrew. All right. Hey, Dan. Hello. Yes, I sir. I am in escrow on a property that I bid as is, where is. It's just a piece of land. Bank took it over from the previous owner earlier this year. It has various items on it, vehicles, gates, water tanks, etc., and I thought, well, before escrow closes, I better go back up there and check it. Went up there, found half of the items missing, including established pieces of the property, such as things that were in the ground. And before I left, uh, 
uh, the former owner came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to squat on this land because they, the, the bank never evicted me from this land, even though they took it back. All right. So your question. My question is, is the new owner of this property going to have to deal with this idiot? That's you, right? It, it, it's going to be unless yes. I don't close. Yes. The new owner is going to have to deal. You're going to have to evict him. Yikes. Yep, you have no choice. It's, uh, you, the bank doesn't want to evict him. What does the bank care? Banks, uh, unlo- The bank's unloading the property. Now, one of the things that you can do as a potential buyer is as a condition of you purchasing the property, uh, it has to be vacant. But then now the bank starts going out of its mind, and they have to hire lawyers, they have to get rid of them, and it's, uh, it's a pain in the ass. And as you've already told me that they don't want to do this, right? But aren't they responsible no. for this guy? No, no, they're responsible for selling the property. They're selling you the property with all of its liabilities, its garbage. You're just buying. They're saying, "Here you go. Here's our property for sale. You take it with everything that's involved with it." So okay. it's up to it's up to you to close or not close. Depends on the deal you're getting, and it depends on the value. And you just simply, okay, okay, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? And then you just make the decision. So, no, the bank is not responsible whatsoever. This is Handle on the Law. Let's check in with Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. More stimulating talk as soon as I shut up. KFI and iHeartRadio Station. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle here on a Saturday And welcome back to Handle on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Okay, John. John, you're up. Hey, I had a quick question for you, sir. Um, Basically, it's this. If I'm an owner of a building and I hire a general contractor to do some construction, and then that general contractor then hires subcontractors, and one of those subcontractors that he hires or excuse me, the subcontractor then hires their workers, and some of their workers are illegal immigrants. Am I the owner of the building? No, you're not liable. liable. No, you're not liable. No. I mean, you uh, you have to have insurance, obviously, that covers everything, which I'm sure you do. And so, no, you wouldn't be liable. You wouldn't be picked up. Probably the subcontractor would be picked up for doing that. But it doesn't even matter anymore because no one gets picked up for doing that. You know, what, the uh, ICE is going to come around and start asking uh, people that work in a building or work in a construction site for papers? Those days are so, so gone. Uh, So either way, you're fine, John. Don't worry about it. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. You got it. Hello, Zach. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I actually am calling regarding tax taxes and uh, uh, my issues that I've had with taxes over the last four years. Okay. And? So what kind of, let me start. I uh, got caught in a 2008, uh, had to uh, short sell a house, and I ended up moving. Well, I ultimately did not change my deductions. So the year following uh, was a bad year. Um, ended up owing five grand, paid it off. Got, uh, I got audited for 2009, which was the uh, rental that I rented out. Um, so anyway, let me, I'm, let me just hurry up and get this done. But I am, I, I'm, I owe, Sixteen thousand for last year. Still, I'm paying on that monthly, and I know I'm already projected to probably owe fifteen to fifteen to twenty this year as well. But I hear all these things on on uh, you know tax debt. We'll take care of your, take care of your tax. Take care of your taxes. Is that only if you're in 
tax-lean or they have, like, assets that they're trying to take? Or is there a recourse that I can take? All right. Which, all right so what's your question, Zach? I need to. I need this because it's just a revolving door. I've yeah, it is. Done. You've got to. Well, well, Zach, uh, if you're talking about every year you owe taxes, you've earned money that you have to pay tax on. Yes. All right. So, uh, and I understand that no one likes to pay taxes. And if I earn money on, let's say, a 1099 uh, return where someone uh, is not withholding money, they just hand me a, a bunch of cash because I've done something for them. Zach, I have to pay tax on that. So you uh-huh. owing a bunch of money every year means you're not paying your taxes. And the IRS does have a problem with that. So I'm not trying to get out of paying my taxes. I, I want to. My, my question being, is, is there help? Yeah, there is help. Yeah, there is help. You have to be a little bit. uh, Here's the problem. You've got to be a little bit careful as to who you contact. There are a huge number of scammers uh, in the tax industry. People, for example, when they ask for six or eight thousand dollars up front, you get the hell out of there quick. Anybody who wants money up front is not a good place to be. Uh, You can hire a lawyer uh, to deal with you. You can actually go to an accountant who's an enrolled agent, and, okay. and uh, talk to him, someone who's had a lot of experience dealing with the IRS, and, and they'll negotiate. But here's... Now, that, well, that's worth doing even if you don't have assets or, you know... I yes, yes, if you don't have... Yes, you have to do it if you don't have assets because that's the okay. way you're going to get out of it. Now, okay. the more money you make, Zach, the less they're going to let you uh, off the hook. If you've got a job uh, and you're making decent money, Zach, why would they let you off the hook? So why would you owe $20,000 this year when you've paid off $5,000 and you paid off the entire amount? Did you make enough money that you just kept all the money or spent it all? Well, no. What happened is uh, uh, I got a personal loan, which I paid close to $1,200 to $1,500 a month to pay that off. And that's a three-year thing. So just to make the payments, make the house payment, and make car All right. So let me – I understand. But, Zach, so you make a bunch of money and you're not paying tax on it. I, yeah, you're right. I'm actually, I'm not taking enough out. Got it. Okay. So you're all right. Fair enough. So Zach, what you're doing is not paying tax on your money. So with that in mind, and you're earning a living, why would the IRS let you off the hook? Just because you don't pay your taxes? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they no, they don't like that. What is your argument? Here you go. So you have an enrolled agent. Someone comes in and is negotiating with the IRS and the sole reason you're not paying your taxes is because you don't pay your taxes. Right? Not I lost my job and I don't have the ability to pay. Not that I lost I've been sick. I I I I have cancer. I've been in the hospital for a year and a half. All of which tells the IRS, yeah, you know what? There's a problem here. You can't say, I don't pay my taxes. I'd like some help. And they're going to say, really? Why don't you just give us half the money? Uh, You know, now a third. And we're happy. What, you think you're crazy? Hey, George, welcome to Handle on the Law. Yeah. uh, My question is that uh, my sister got the power of attorney, got my power of attorney through the courts. Do I have to go to the courts? Hold on. The courts don't give power of attorney. Uh, what happens is uh, there's simply a document that's filed, and I think it is or is not uh, no, uh, notarized. I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, I think powers attorney are notarized, but it's not filed with the court. The court oh. is, if the court's involved in giving your sister power over you, it's a conservatorship. 
it's a lot more than that, George. Mm-hmm. So you want your sister to no longer control what you do and what you own? Exactly. Okay. She doesn't give me an accounting. Does she have to give me an accounting? Sure, of course she does. Does, yeah, what is not. now what does she do? Does she handle all of your money, George? Yes. And how is it that she got the power to do that in the first place? That's a good question. You have no idea how she ended up yeah. having the power to do that? Uh, I had a, I had a stroke. So. Ah, there you go. Okay, she went in for a medical issue. Got it. Okay, George. Uh you're going to need a lawyer. Okay. Yeah, you there's no there's no, there's no other way of doing it, George. Got it. Uh, because you have to unravel what uh she did. And actually she can go in you can get in a conservatorship without even the conservatee knowing about it. My mother, for example, uh, is she's elderly, and I, I want to put this uh, sort of in medical terms, not to be offensive. She's out of her mind. She has no idea where she is or what planet she's on. So for me to handle her issues... Uh, I, in terms of any real estate, et cetera, I need a power of, I, I need a conservatorship. So, but that was a court, that was court. I don't, now I don't personally have to do that because I arranged all of it in, in advance. I'm on all the checking accounts. I mean, I did this years ago, uh, knowing my mother would probably go that way. So, yeah, you have to go to court. You need an attorney on that one. It's still, yeah, unfortunately, it's a couple, three, four thousand dollars. So, you need an attorney who can, who can, figure it out, who can see there's much money. If you have no money at all, that becomes a problem. But if there's if there's enough money in there, an attorney will do it, and then the court will pay attorney's fees. This is Handle on the Law. Now, let's check in with Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I am your go-to guy. If you've got questions about computers or the internet, about your smartphone or your smart watch, if you're interested in self-driving cars, home theater, photography, virtual reality, I talk about it all this weekend and every weekend right here. Leo Laporte, this morning at 11, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel, this is Handel on the Law. Hey, Martin, welcome to Handel on the Law. Hello, sir. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, I had last, about a year and a half ago, I met a guy at the homeless shelter, and um, he was a lawyer, by the way, and uh, he said um, he needed somebody to drive him around because he was drinking, you know, and he, he wanted somebody with a license. So I went ahead and, you know, took up on him and drive him around while he was, you know, drinking himself. And anyway, uh, we agreed to, he was going to sell me the car that I was driving. His, uh, and um, so he got him, his family got, got him, sent him a plane ticket after maybe four months of driving him around and, you know, let him drink to go back to um, Iowa to uh, rehab. So we agreed I was going to buy the car, and I gave him, like, I started paying him, you know, my, you know, driving him around. And anyway, uh, he, he went ahead to a rehab, and um, so I, I, I lost contact with him. I was keeping contact on Facebook. He lost contact, and, and the tags expired, and I needed to put the car in my name. They took the title with him. So I've been going to DMV trying to get this car. Oh, yeah, they're not going to let you uh, have title, uh, just to walk in the door and have title. 
Uh, when you when you first started, when when you first bought the car from him, why don't you get title in your name right there? Because I was still making payments. Doesn't matter. You buy it and then you make payments. Exactly, but he took the title with him. You know, I understand, I, I, but I'm, what I'm saying is, you go to a you go to a, a car dealership, for example, or even a private party. What you do is you buy the car. So either you do it cash or you finance it. But the title goes into your name immediately. What he actually did, what you did is finance the car, is that he allowed you to make payments. It's a finance agreement, but he still owns the car, Martin. You don't own it. Exactly. But I'm trying to get this car legal. You can't. You can't without him signing off, Martin. I know. And you know what? He's, he's gone. He completely just, you know. I understand, but you can't. Martin, it's his car that you are driving. Yeah, but he, he what, abandoned it. He abandoned it. Okay, doesn't matter. It's still his car. Okay, so what can I do? Well, we just pay for the registration and keep driving it. Okay, I'll just pay for Just the register and keep driving it. Uh, because okay. effectively, you is was there any, was it a verbal agreement? Was there a written agreement? It's a verbal agreement. Okay, then you just, then it gets easy, Martin. Then you just, as far as you're concerned, you paid him some money. Uh, he, you're driving his car and just paid for the registration. He may never show up again. And if he does, the car is worth far less and you can start arguing, but, uh, try, uh, you're never going to get it in your name without a, uh, uh, without a, a, the ability to say that you bought it. So I can just go ahead and apply for, uh, um, what, what can I do? Just pay the registration. Okay. They don't care where the, they don't care where the money comes from and then the car will be registered. And you're driving, and you're driving his car. Yeah, but it won't be on my name, would it? it no, be on no, name. it absolutely will not be on your name. It'll be in his name. So okay, okay. Well, let me, let me, let's. Let, I don't know how many times you'd like me to repeat that before I hang up on you. What else would you like yeah, to no. know? No, 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 no. Okay, no. got it. All right. Uh fair enough, Mister Patient. Is that what I am? Damn right. Uh, hello, Jeff. Hello, yeah. Jeff. You're oh. up. Yes, sir. Yes. Hi. Um. Uh, I'm renting a house to uh, a woman who originally, eight years ago, rented with a uh, boyfriend uh, and said they were going to be married and all that. Uh, Shortly after that, she kicked him out and started to rent to other people uh, without me knowing it. That's eight years Uh, ago? No, this recently. Okay, recently. Okay, and and there's no lease, right? Not now, no. All right. Uh, and I asked her to leave. I gave her a 60-day notice. Okay, fair enough. To be up January 30th. Okay, whatever. Okay. Originally, it was the 31st Okay. December. Okay, wait a sec. It was the 31st, and now it is sometime and, later, correct? Right. She asked me to extend it, so I rewrote the 60-day right. to make it January 30th. Okay. I didn't want to be a bad guy. Okay. Anyway, uh, she is giving me uh, notice, not notices, but she's saying how difficult it'll be for her to move out. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So what's your question? How do you get her out? I, yes. You evict her. wait for something to happen? Yeah, you have to or... wait for the you wait for the 60 days to end, and then you just give her an eviction notice. That's okay, it. You evict because... her. You evict her, Jeff. You throw her out. Yeah. And I've what's wonderful, it'll be in the, and what's wonderful, it'll be in the middle of winter, and I hope it's snowing. Right. Me too. Now, also, what do I do? I have to give a notice to the two or three other people that rent the other. Not room? if you don't know their names. 
I know their first name. Then, you, then that's not going to help you. Uh, you evict her, and if they stay in, then it gets a little interesting. Then you have to uh, call the police and say they're trespassing. Now that gets interesting because they probably won't touch it. You can't sue anybody without knowing their names. Right. So you may have to do it under a John Doe allegation, and I don't even know how, how you do that because I haven't done an eviction in 30 years, and I never right. had that situation. You're going to have to find, Jeff, an eviction attorney, a landlord-tenant attorney. You have no choice. Right, right. And you can go. And to, I get that with you, right? Uh, yeah, no, you go to the website. Just go to handleonthelaw.com, and uh, we have attorneys. So there's nothing I can really do until the 30th. That's correct. Until the 60 days is up. Right. That's it. And Thank then you, you and then you file the eviction. Then, but you, but because you have tenants there uh, and who shouldn't be there, uh, you call the cops, and they're not going to do jack. So uh, it's it's a mess. It really is. Uh, hello, Kathleen. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Yes, go ahead. Okay. I ha- I own a condo at the Colorado River that I rent out on occasion through a rental company. A real estate agent rented my condo on behalf of one of her clients. She signed the paperwork. She charged it on her credit card. And the guy stayed two months, and he trashed the place. Okay. So I have... I've informed her that I'm going to, I'm going to take her to small claims court. How much money? How much? Well, Kathleen, let me ask you: How much money are we talking about to fix it up? About five thousand dollars. Okay, and uh, you're, and this is in Colorado. No, and, no, no. It's at the Colorado River, but it's in, it's in Nevada. Oh, it's in Nevada. And where are you? Uh, in California. I'm in California. I'm yes. sorry, you're in California. So uh, the woman, the uh, the agent, where is she? She's in Los Angeles. Okay, so Cal. Okay, got it. That that helps a lot. So your question is: You told her that you're going to sue her, and right, and she's telling me that if I sue her, she's going to countersue. The letter for what? I I don't know. That's what is she going? What did she find? So she's going to countersue, and then you ask her what? Okay. Well, fine. Go countersue all you want, but uh, just because you say I'm going to countersue, you have to have a basis for suing. You have a basis. Your place was trashed. It was trash. Okay, yes. no, but that's your basis for suing. Okay. Her basis for suing is just that you're going to file a lawsuit. Okay. That's not a basis. Now, do you know the renter's name? Yes, I do. You sue him too. See, that's just it. She, I don't. All I have is a phone number. I don't have an address. I then just sue her. Name. Then just sue her. Let her countersue. Oh. The okay, countersuit she good. has is against him. You sue okay. her because, and you argue it's an agency uh, relationship. Yes. She is his agent. Yes. So yeah. that's where you're going with that. Very good. Thank you, Bill. Okay, you got it. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.